right, here we are, episode 47. Yeah, we're of, back. With of Fried Squirms, and it is a very special episode, because we have two in-studio guests. Yeah, special. That's double the amount of people we've had in this room. <laughs> double before. our pleasure, double <laughs> our fun. And it's pretty amazing. And we're making full use of this new recording space. This would have never been possible before, so. Yeah, got some guests, and we're going to have a fucking blast today. Yeah. Alright, so... Before we introduce them right away, the reason we even have guests today actually goes a little bit into some of the secret history of the podcast. Now, this podcast was born because me and Danny would sit around and talk about horror movies. However, I didn't always work with Danny. Before I worked with Danny... It's true. I'd have to bullshit about movies with some other people. Those other people, currently in this room right now... Hey. <laughs> I guess they are. Piping in. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having me. This is Patrick. Yeah, so Patrick is one of our, our besties. <laughs> and uh, he's a good reference for a lot of film. Good knowledge dropper. Well, and here's the thing that goes sort of the secret history of the podcast. Me and Patrick were working together at one point. He found out I used to do a podcast. And then a year after having to listen to me fucking blather on about all sorts of random shit, one random night, he's like, hey... Fucking podcast is the perfect outlet for all your stupid shit. And I'm like, you know, you're absolutely right about that. And I started thinking again. I'm like, how could I do this again? How could I start getting myself back online, talking at people who are listening to me for some reason? Hi, Marquand. What's up, Marquand? <laughs> and so my first thought was a podcast that never got off the ground. Nerdy shit talk cast where part of the idea was to do commentary tracks for all the stupid CW shows that I watch. Well, that didn't end up happening, but today, on our very special episode, and not the type of very special where, like, a kid gets touched after school and they spend <laughs> half hour... Not those kind of afternoon specials. Uh, I mean, can we guarantee that won't happen, or...? No. <laughs> no guarantees, but we'll try our best Someone to... touch me. <laughs> We're going to do a commentary track for The Shining, even though none of us have anything to do with the goddamn movie. And so we have Patrick in studio and our other guest from his own podcast that we've mentioned here before, Into the Echo, our buddy Riley. Hey, guys. Yeah. Hey, Riley. Hey. Riles Davis. Yeah. <laughs> Riley Cyrus. This is not my usual medium. Uh, I don't have much to add to movies, but... I'm here to break down the soundtrack and talk about what Trent Reznor would have done if he was writing music at this time. So, um, you know, that's um, all we're really looking for from you is what Trent Reznor would have done. <laughs> what would Trent Reznor do? That's what I ask Riley. That's the bracelet I'm wearing. <laughs> it's my gospel. <clears throat> uh, Happy to be here. So, I guess before we get into it big time, if you've never seen The Shining, go watch it. <laughs> yeah, before we to to speed, us talk for sure. over the top of it. Because we're not going to help anything. We're going to bring this piece of art down. We're just hoping that you're willing to slum it with <laughs> us. I'm so excited for this. I just recently discovered, I guess I'm, I'm one of the catalysts to this uh, whole podcast business. So this is exciting. I'm, I'm glad you guys get to hear me drone on about uh, The Shining. Well, you're, you're a huge inspiration for this episode specifically, too. So Part of the reason you're on this episode is simply because you're over a local hotel shirt. I do have the greatest shirts. Uh, $6shirts.com. It's a plug. I'll third that. 
Uh, I am not sponsored, but uh, they could if they wanted to. $6shirts.com. <laughs> Look up the Patreon account. That's right. So before we talk about this movie in particular, though, just being a horror podcast where we sit here and talk about it every week and we've told the audience, where do you guys come into the world of horror? Yeah. Like, what's your background? What, how much do you like horror movies? When did you first start watching them? Okay. <laughs> okay. I guess I'll start. Um, I started watching horror when I was way too young because I had an older brother and I was uh, the last of three siblings, which means my parents really didn't care. Mostly just gave up, right? Right. They just gave up. <laughs> I was the kid that would ride my bike to the video store and bring the movie to the counter and they would be like, they'd look at me with astonishment and be like, no way are you renting this movie. And I would just call my like, mom yeah, up at Valley Girl. <laughs> I'd call my mom up at work and she'd she'd clear me and they'd be like, Yeah, uh, your seven year old son's here to rent Pet Cemetery. Uh King's It, uh, The Shining, um, Showgirls. <laughs> For research purposes. It's guys. a really scary mom. It's, That's it's why I because I, you're saved by the bell love, right? Right. Exactly. And Colin McLaughlin. So, but I feel like I watched all of these movies when they were meant to be watched, when they were actually scary. I had to watch them during the daylight hours, and so I could go out into the sun and feel the heat and warmth and know that I wasn't going to be engulfed by some demon or eaten by a clown from a sewer. So yeah, I, uh, I grew, that was my bread and butter. I grew up on horror movies. My brother was a big horror fan, brought everything home, so I just, uh, yeah... Stephen King was just my favorite growing up. And awesome. How about you, Riles? Um, I I have less of a an elaborate history with horror movies. I, I've I always kind of wanted to watch them when I was a kid, but I was never allowed really, which is fine, I guess. <laughs> 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 we all see how Patrick turned out. Yeah. Uh, um, no, but I I really I enjoy horror because of the world it surrounds itself in and um, I'm all about darkness and dissonance and and being uncomfortable and exploring the, the depths of humanity because I think it's got uh, Okay, we're not talking about your average Friday night. We're talking about horror movies. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. We know uh, who the philosopher is now. <laughs> that, that is the glue that binds us, though. We all are huge fans of the dark arts. Yeah. Um, yeah. Movies, media... Television, you name it, music. I mean, we all, that's that's what really has connected us from the get-go is our... That's the glue that binds us. Yeah, our appreciation for the dark art and the, the things that bring absurdity and kind of, you know, joke about them and yeah. deal with them. Exactly, yeah. And, and for, forcing yourself to, your brain to handle totally outlandish situations like, like that, that come up in horror movies. But yeah, I've always been a fan of more psychological thrillers and that kind of stuff and I feel like The Shining is, is a perfect bridge between true horror and and something that really fucks with your head. So Totally. Wait, that's... is this a Christian podcast? <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah. Okay. No, yeah, we're oh. completely, we all love JesusTruthers.com Jesus <laughs> Are we going for myrrh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Okay, so with that, I think uh, we're going to get a quick I would like to say, yeah, this is something I think I told you Saturday night. We briefly talked about it last week, you know, some interesting news in the horror world, etc. Oh, shit, I forgot about this. This is fun. This one really hits home uh, in a big, bad way, and I'll explain. So, 
over the weekend, my mother sent me a link to a news story, and the news story consisted of a 40-year-old woman and her 18-year-old son had murdered and dismembered her common-in-law husband. This happened in the upstate of South Carolina, maybe about 30 minutes' drive from where I grew up. Yeah, not only that, but when I saw the name, I was like, oh my gosh, this is a person that lived next door to my grandmother and a person I grew up with. Uh. Yeah, so I actually know the lady that's involved with this murder and dismemberment, like personally. Oh, so your neighbor was the, the murderer? Yes. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. And dismember. Yes. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, so, you know, this is, uh, of course, one of those is like, there's no way that you can justify what happened, period. Uh, but then knowing somebody's backstory, like their history, as opposed to just what you see maybe in a news clip, it's like this was something, honestly, now seeing it through, you know, the eyes of an adult, this was something that was manifesting for a long time. Maybe not necessarily outwardly a lot of it was inwardly so it was weird seeing uh you know that news clip of course and then knowing a person who was like growing up she's a few years older than us uh, i think she's like said so she's 40 and uh the encounters i had were like mostly just really cool i mean she was a cool kid growing up i think the last time i hung out with her <laughs> me and my brother coincidentally got stung by bees uh weird yeah we we were hanging out at the end of a cul-de-sac and we're just down there bullshitting as kids, throwing rocks, whatever. And apparently, yeah, you know. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, but no, no, long story short, we got stung by bees and, uh, you know, just like silly shit that kids do, you know. But then seeing what happened to her all these years later is like, holy shit. And now it's come to this. So it's a, it's a weird... I don't know, weird thing to kind of grip, you know, just get your mind around. It's, you know, you wonder, is it something that built all that time or is it just the context of the situation, you know, like, could you ever be put in that spot? Or, yeah. Or you were know? you the catalyst? That's a good point. I mean, I could have been. <laughs> or the bees were the catalyst. Well, you know, since I've been here and, and over the Ooh, course of the year. Style? Yeah, I mean. Absolutely. There has been uh, a serial killer in Woodruff which is like another 35 to 40 minutes from where I grew up. That happened last year in South Carolina. Now this happens. I'm like, come on, South Carolina. You can do better. <laughs> and there was that fucked up killing in town. Yeah, here in town, just what, a few months back. Oh, yeah. In East that was Missoula. also another mutilate or a dismemberment. A dismemberment. Yeah. What's with all these people? Getting dismembered around Danny. <laughs> so not, I mean, not, that's... that's I mean, we did frailty last week. That's a terrible <laughs> thing, you know, the... the not to take away no. anything from the tragedy in your hometown, but just to kind of tie it in with The Shining and the reason oh. that Stephen... Well, okay, so what you were sort of saying is this had been building for a long time. That's kind of where Stanley Kubrick was coming from with Jack and The Shining. Yeah. And that's what Stephen King didn't like about it because when he wrote the book, he wants Jack to be this wholesome kind of dude who gets taken over by the hotel as and, opposed and, to already and, and driven to this crazy spot that he would never have been before. Whereas, yeah, Stanley was kind of going with this. That it's there's been the ins- there. Yeah, the insanity is right under the surface and it just yeah. needs to be dusted off by a couple of crazy ghosts. He's never on his rocker. No. no. So. so it's it's just a sad, unfortunate, you know, thing that happened. I mean, it's it's gruesome. So it's like it's nothing that you can condone those actions. 
But knowing the history, it's like on the other side, it's like it's not too surprising either, knowing the circumstances. Life is gruesome. Yeah, it is. So anyhow, that was my bit of news. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, that's it's fucked up. But um, <laughs> yeah, I guess with that, I mean, behind the scenes, we're about to save, but get ready to put on The Shining. Hopefully for at least the second time. Like you said, you, you don't want us talking over it the first time you watch this movie. Yeah, no. <laughs> no, do something. Get in a meditative state. Turn on The Shining. Give yourself a good three hours of you and The Shining alone for a nice date. So you have a good experience like we had. And then Bust come, out the lotion. Yeah, and then yeah. come back and listen to this and shake your head at You're our like, nonsense. These idiots. Yeah. You might learn something, though. Who knows? How yeah. could they not see that it was about the stage moon landing? Oh, yeah, the stage moon landing. We needed to get there, guys. We needed to get there before Russia. There was a big, it was a big deal. And it's obvious. I mean, you can see the space dust. Hashtag fake news. Hashtag space dust. Uh, Oh, and I guess... Hashtag Apollo Creed. And as we do before we go into any movie, in case you don't know what this is, I guess synopsis would be guy gets driven crazy by a house. Ish. Well, that's debatable. So that's, 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 that's debatable. That's Stephen King's book. That's debatable, but uh, I, I would say, yeah, <laughs> guy goes crazy with family. Uh, it's a, it's a haunted house story in a way. Yeah, it's a haunted house story. It's a story of uh, alcoholism. It's, it's a story of family. It's a story of family yeah. falling apart. It's a story of uh, genocide. <laughs> I guess genocide. Calumet. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a story of Tang. Um, it's another Kubrick story, so which means that everybody's gonna look crazy at it, look look way into it, way beyond the surface. So, and you need to to do it properly, right? And keep in mind well, that he had an IQ of two hundred. Properly, air quotes, but <laughs> air quotes. And a warning: there's a little bit of violence. There's some titties. Scenes, there's titties. Bush. There's, yeah, there's, there's some. There's not the good kind of titties, you guys. So well, there's some good titties. If you're in it for the titties. Just get out. There's some decrepit skin. Yeah. <laughs> and overall creepy. Everything's not right. Right. It's designed to be not right. I mean, there's definitely some gore. There's, you know, depictions of... I also of... say don't watch it if you're too claustrophobic. If you're claustrophobic, <laughs> if you're squeamish. Yeah. Uh, let's see, when this, did, when this was released, which was... 1980. 1980. It was seen as not scary enough. People were coming out and saying, you know, that wasn't really scary because it's not but see, because it's not horror in the typical fashion. 1980. I also feel fearless when I'm on cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, Miami Vice. <laughs> no, so, not scary. I mean, you know, how many? It's unset. No. We've got like three deaths in the film. There was actually oh. one. Or one out. Like one. One in particular that's. Yeah. You know, a, a, an actual murder. And and four previous. Right. Mm-hmm. That we know about. But so you only see one that actually happens. So it's so not over, it's, it, it's not over the top with gore and it's not over it's no. it's not a straight linear I guess it, story. if you're like me and you prefer your eyes to be laid on Jesus and not titties. <laughs> yeah, rally down. <laughs> That's I like why you would avoid this movie. So, oh, there's also language. I thought it was titties. So, Tyler is not watching this movie. <laughs> Jesus Mary's headed down. Presbyterian church. <laughs> I'm, a- I'm actually just going to, you know, do my own little worship service in the corner while you Great. guys do this. Yeah, Sounds I'm sorry, good. Jesus. Yeah. Well, you, the, the, uh, you know, funny you mentioned the morning prayer is actually played three times throughout The Shining. Mm. Mm. Trivia. Trivia. 
<laughs> Let's just start playing this goddamn movie. Yeah, yeah so. for that. Okay. Um, so, how how would you prefer this to go down as far as commentary goes? Just kind of yeah, as so as, as far as commentary, yeah. Fucking, we're just gonna talk over the goddamn movie, and people are gonna go back. We're gonna let it guide our our talk. But no. great. There's okay. four of us, isn't it? Cool. Yeah. In general, I mean, generally you guys talk after you've watched the movie, right? And right, we don't talk over the top of it. Yeah. So. This is going to be, this, this is, is an experiment. Holy shit. We're, we're four guys in the room experimenting. I love being involved in science. <laughs> four guys popping the same cherry at the same time. That's right. That's right. So all like of you it. listeners at home, we're about to fire this bad boy up. So I suppose I'll, I'll tell you when the dark sweet movie's going. Yeah. I'll say, I'll say three, two, one. Contact. Three, two, one. Play. We just push play. Oh, Warner so Brothers. 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 Yeah. Shield Warner right Brothers. Brothers. Fucking conspiracy theory. That's how you can sync it up. It's at the Warner Brothers oh, no, Shield. <laughs> We're watching that. I read about Warner and Brothers on InfoWars. Well, the there are the production company. Here is a shot of... This is, uh, this is Montana here, guys. Glacier National Park. Yeah, Goose Island, right? St. Mary's Lake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amen. Uh, they did this all on a helicopter. Note, uh, we are doing this... We have all seen this before, and we're doing this with the volume down, so you guys can't hear it at home. Oh, yeah. Just to avoid, you know, us having legal problems. <laughs> yeah. So the reason they actually chose Glacier is because, um, although this story is supposed to be based in Colorado, when Kubrick sent his crew out to take shots of the Rockies, they came back really unimpressed with the footage. And so he actually fired that crew. Yeah, and this was the second unit, right? Yeah, second unit went to going to the Sun Road unit. Glacier with a um, helicopter and a Steadicam. Yeah, uh, from what I understand, they had to balance the blades, too, to keep it from you know, vibrating. So, yeah, all of those cameras were loaded on the front end of the helicopter. This shot, uh, which he's driving up going to the Sun Road, for those who are familiar... And I, love, Stanley I, Kubrick I, I always love the credits that look like they were made in Windows Movie Maker. And so, a funny thing about like those two is I guess cool. that uh, Stanley was obsessed with the color of the credits and the color of the intro, and, and uh, it took him like, I don't know, like 900 changes or something before he finally settled on this look. Huh. <laughs> well, yeah, he's a Robin's little... egg blue after that one, yeah. huh? Yeah, man. You know, uh, yeah. It's 1980s, bro. <laughs> Being the beginning of this movie, I feel it's like contrast. this is probably the appropriate time to bring up <laughs> that prior to this, I feel like I was a very shallow Stanley Kubrick watcher. Ooh, These I am not guilty of that. These are all very, very meticulously thought out, yeah. as we're already pointing out in these yeah. trivia. We already have enough to say. And I just always, before this, would sit back and be like, oh, oh, that's pretty. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, where that's is, pretty. Where is... This opening scene, what this does for me, uh, in combination with the immaculate sound design that you're hearing right here, um, that we can't hear, <laughs> is the sense of um, you're going into something that's so much larger than you, you know, uh, you're, and way out in the middle of nowhere. We're going into this, like, impassable set of mountains, you know, it just yeah. really gives you a... a a strong sense of isolation, like how deep they're actually going, this tiny car. And um, here we finally see the the hotel, too. Which I think this is in uh, Oregon right here, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. uh, all the exteriors are shot in uh, in Oregon at the... Is it the... Um, Timberline. 
So now, obviously, this is done way before it, but looking back, going through this movie, whenever the the little fucking title cards pop up, yeah, I mean, my mind automatically thinks Clerks, and so I giggle a little. Bit. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Uh, those exteriors were done at the Timberline Hotel, right? Yeah. In Mount Hood, in Oregon. Yep. Some of these interior shots, most of them were done in studios, but yeah, a lot of this stuff really too, like the way it's set up. Uh, how it wraps around itself, which we'll find out later in the film. Even like this stuff here, there's a lot of discussion about the window, this windowed room, where he's having the interview with mm -hmm. Ullman. Well, for a lot of different reasons, because here we have the dick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can't. Yeah. So once you once you watch uh, Room Two Three Seven, the fan is it, it was Two Three Seven, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. The the fan theories about what this movie really great, means. Great. This scene right here uh, shows shows the owner of the host stepping up and getting actually a phallic symbol right in front of himself. So. But, but look, now she almost has the dick. She almost has the dick, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're going to talk a lot Everybody's about dicks in this dick. film. Yeah, dicks and titties. Mostly dicks. <laughs> <laughs> For those who are into that. But uh, yeah, my boy, Danny, seeing the sandwich with his mom right here. It's stunning. A five-year-old Daniel Lloyd. Uh, if noted, you can see that she's reading the uh, J.D. Salinger's The Catcher in the Rye. Yeah. So she likes Virginia Slim her, cigarettes for those who like cigarettes. In her morning cigarette right next to her kid. This you is, know, a healthy morning breakfast. Yeah. What was he in like Catcher a, in the Rye. Was that the one before? Holden. Huh, well, yeah, Holden Caulfield, of course. Yeah, maybe. And, oh, boy. But what, was that the one Enjoying. to inspire people to shoot people? <laughs> that's what they say. <laughs> yeah, I guess no. that's what they You know, books shoot people. <laughs> but uh, no, I like how the fact that when they were searching for the kid to play Danny, they said that because uh, Shelley Duvall has like a really strong Texas accent and Jack Nicholson's known for like a really you know harsh New Jersey accent at times, they wanted a contrast or something in the middle. So they went to Denver, Chicago, and Cincinnati to find kids who had more of a Midwestern accent. So and yeah, man, five thousand kids yeah, in the right. Midwest. Oh boy! <laughs> did you see? Did you see why they chose Danny? Um, from what I understood, is they actually had another kid in mind. It was the kid who played in the. Um, what was it? Because I read too that right when he went into his um, when he went into his reading, while doing the Tony voice, he just yeah he improvised the yeah, finger. He improvised the finger, and they wrote that in. But yeah. uh, the kid I was going to mention was Kerry uh, Guffey. He was the young boy from Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Oh right, he was the first selection actually by Kubrick, and he couldn't do it because his parents didn't like the subject matter. So uh, Danny Lloyd was next in line. So yeah, he uh, you're right though with the finger. He improvised the Tony. Yeah, speaking of that, uh, the subject matter. So with that being said, they made Danny Lloyd think that he was shooting a drama, a drama this entire yeah. time. He didn't know he was actually shooting a horror film. Um, Until he was keep, like 16 just or keep, 17. Just to keep him safe from what, I don't know, the content of this. I, I thought that was pretty ethical of Stanley Kubrick given... The nature of how he, you know, treated his actors to get the performances, which was usually torture, torture. and assault. Like, I mean, <laughs> yeah, literally shit. physical and, and psychological assault to bring these people to their knees, you know. And so the fact that he took such good care of that. Now, I want to point out that while we're on this interview scene, that if Jack Nicholson answered his questions absolutely honestly, then what he's looking for over the winter is probably mostly, like, Isolation of jerk is dick raw. How much Vaseline does this hotel have? Yeah. Those are the questions he should be asking right now. 
I don't think you guys have enough towels. <laughs> I, I really want to honestly see if I can come pure blood. That's what I'm looking for. Jesus. Five months oh my in isolation. <laughs> I mean, he's got the look, guys. <laughs> But I know from what from what I was reading too with like some Is your of this. Family okay with it? Yes, the hotel's big enough that they won't have to watch. <laughs> <laughs> Got a good point. <laughs> But no, this is the gentleman who I was mentioning earlier, uh, Barry Nelson, who's oh, playing yeah. uh, Ullman. He was the first on-screen James Bond in Casino Royale. No way. For reals, with uh, Peter Lorre, Slee Shafra, and Jack Nicholson and Peter Lorre were in The Raven together, which actually my dad recommended. So we might, uh, might jump on that sometime. The Raven. So apparently, uh, well, if you read The Shining, you'd know that uh, Stuart Ullman does not like Jack Torrance. Exactly. Uh, he it's it's he doesn't like his history of abuse. Yeah. He doesn't like anything about him, and he's basically like the last option. He's like, well, we got to get out of here, and I basically don't have any other choice. So um, he doesn't have a lot of faith in him. But it's kind of the opposite in this movie, right? Yeah, now. and this guy's supposed to be mirroring um, like the attitude, right? Right. Like I, I from what I heard too is like his pants even changed like. Some of the uh, vertical patterns and stuff like that in his pants change in this scene, Weird. which is interesting. Yeah, but um, but he's it, right it, now he's just kind of casually laying down. Right. That, uh, there was a there was a massacre here. Yeah, uh, 1970. Yeah. There was a guy named Charles Grady. Yeah, killed his like, family. No big deal. Killed his family. Chopped him up. Mm, packed him in. I, you know, I we to, we we were talking about something else, but I uh, I noticed that the last time I was watching this film when Shelley Duvall is talking. Or, oh, that's not that it hasn't happened yet. That was just the last scene. Okay. It's okay. It's okay. Let's it's okay. keep going. That's I how we, well we know this movie. Yeah, exactly. I'm just like already, I'm already ahead of myself. But no, you're right. Right here, they're just essentially just wrapping up the basics <laughs> of what's going on. So uh, Jack Warning Nicholson. Warning about cabin fever. Not the Eli Roth movie. Yeah, no, not close. <laughs> but those thoughts are coming to mind. Uh, but all all they're really doing is just going through formalities. He likes the idea of being there. Well, he has work to do. You guys just brought up that other guy that's sitting there. Uh, not Stuart Allman, not Jack Nicholson. But, yeah, I think uh, his name's Bill Watson. Side dude. Side dude, uh, side dude yeah. This side is dude. one of the first parts where they really start... There's a lot of like duality in this movie, throughout this movie. There's the Grady girls, obviously. Oh, yeah. But even some of the back shots of these guys, the back of their heads look similar. Yeah. Uh, this guy that we're talking and about it, on the and it could really symbolize like a lot of different so, choices that uh, get made later so, on. So yeah, speaking of duality, or do you said duology, right? Duality, yeah, yeah, duality. I'm sorry. Uh, this symmetry is uh, like perfect in this film. Like the cinematography, it's generally um, you line things up um, in your one in one third of your screen in your picture plane, and Stanley Kubrick chose to make everything symmetrical, perfectly symmetrical. All right, so here's some uh, some conspiracy theories coming up with this scene here in particular because you see uh, kind of the goofy character from the Seven Dwarves and Danny's in there brushing his teeth, right? This is going to come up a lot later on with the um, the dog or the bear person. Dopey, right? Yeah, or Dopey, yeah, excuse dopey. me. I think Shelley Duvall's character is supposed to be represented by Goofy in oh, some okay. of the scenes, yeah. But uh, now that they drink name brand two percent milk, so that's the first problem. We <laughs> <laughs> you know something's going downhill. Yeah, nineteen eighties, two percent milk. And here's Jack. Nicholson He's get, giving the I most. Ex- yeah, the most exciting 
uh, news ever. Delivery of news. Yeah. Like, you get the job? Yeah. Yeah. You got to love it. Uh, just going to hang out for a couple hours here. Jack so off. much winning. <laughs> oh, the finger. Oh, yeah. Danny's getting a fingering. Yeah. Whoops. Yeah. I'm starting to get fingered. <laughs> so, I... Contain yourself, son. We brought up Sorry. these kids' names. So, Danny, what is it having a name that gets so... You, what's it like having a name that's used so often in horror movies? I'm okay with it. The first Dan- <laughs> okay. I know this isn't the first Danny we've come across. <laughs> that's what I told That's what she said. Uh, <laughs> this is the first shot of... Uh, this is the, first, the Blood Vader? The Blood Vader. This is the first oh. completely surreal shot in the movie, too. Absolutely. Like it's, it's absolutely... Horrific. ...in the head. Oh, well, yeah. It's just... they. It's so early. And it's so early. Yeah, so it's, you, the, it's the first glimpse into our psychological horror, because we're just getting this shot of something that is so irregular and out of place, that, like, where do you ever see well, an yeah, uh, exactly. elevator full of blood? Well, considering that lead-up to this point, also, it's just been a straight story. Yeah. Genocide, yeah. Also genocide. Belt on uh, (laughs) Indian burial. Hey, so there's Goofy. Now we mention it. And it's reflecting Shelley Duvall on the other side of the room. Wearing the same outfit, even. Yes. And from uh, some of the theories I've been told or listened to, it's the fact that uh, Danny is covering his privates. Uh, So for those who... This is a Christian podcast on the side. (laughs) But uh, some people think that there has been sexual abuse with Danny in the film. Um, here's some of the bear scenes that you see here. Oh, yeah, here's the, the first the bear. symbolism with the bear. So, yeah, I, I, you know, I was thinking about that when I was watching through this last night, and I couldn't write down any notes in particular, but there were some things that I thought maybe there was some sexual abuse towards well, Danny. Yeah, because there is like a, a, a whole theme of this sex being like a very oh, scary yeah. thing, you know, mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. in the whole movie. There's the there's some weird things that'll come up throughout. anti romance and then being hurt when you're in an intimate relationship, you know, with yeah. the and lady we see. So speaking about sex, mm. uh, Tony is definitely his mouth troll, right? Yeah, yeah. Lister fiend. <laughs> so so just like there's a pussy troll. Yeah. Yeah. What? Come on, guys. <laughs> I don't know. Mouth troll, Lister fiend. <laughs> yes. And that's why, I feel like that's why we chose this movie for a Christian podcast, is it's speaking out against sex. Yes. Yeah. Uh, from what I understood, too, is if you look at the eyes of the bear in the scene with Danny, you know, laying on the bear, uh, the eyes are supposed to represent some of the, um, the lighting fixtures over the elevator, and his mouth is supposed to represent, like, the horror coming out of the elevator. So all of this is, like... Expressionism. That's a stretch there. <laughs> I mean, that's going down. It's like a midget in a, in a but, grocery store. It's all stretches, guys. But again, <laughs> look at there's. I think there's another goofy element down on the second shelf, all the way back. There's like a goofy hat, maybe. Yeah, it looks. Well, see, what I'm more curious about is this. These animal. Well, the then you animal see the picture on the ground. Is that the animals from the topiary? Maybe. Oh, that the, the supposed hedges. Yeah. That. Yeah. Yeah. So. In this, in the book, the hedges are part, uh, yeah, topiary from the, the hotel, um, are part of the story. Whereas Kubrick chose to make a hedge maze um, in replacement, mm-hmm. just because he liked that idea more. I don't know. He wanted to deviate from the book a lot. A which, lot. Which, <laughs> he, which is fine. He, he I, took. He it was look, an, it was an inciting point. You know, like like you said, it was a it was a catalyst. Um, but then he definitely took it on his own um, to a, to a different place. 
this might be this might be a bit of a controversial take, but because of Kubrick, this might be the most artsy thing that Stephen King will ever have his name on. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. Um, I like this scene here too, in particular, where she's yeah. talking to the nurse, where she just uh, you know she was checking on Danny because he had the seizure in the bathroom. And uh, from what they're talking about in this scene is, you know, they're talking about Danny being abused. Mm-hmm. They don't really say it out loud, right? yeah. you know. They're like, oh, you know, it was just one time. He just I, jerked I, his arm really, you know. A casual story of abuse comes up. This is the, when I was jumping the gun earlier. This is kind of what I was talking about. And Shelly is just trying to, like, lace it so with so much, you know like positivity like right she's, she's like there she, is some good that came out of yeah, it yeah she's 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 pussyfooting around it and then when she does lay it out her her conclusion is that like oh it made him stop drinking he's off the booze five months yeah but when she says that too she just realized what she kind of says and she yeah. realizes it's not, uh, not she's yeah they're not doing good yeah. like <laughs> no you know? and this is where like, some of that mm-hmm. the theories on the the other side of the abuse comes into play like like so she's covering up some stuff you know by sugarcoating it with some right. some bullshit narrative, like oh, this is what good can come out of yeah, getting touched a, or getting yeah. grabbed and yanked up, and exactly sugarcoating it, sugar that's just making it entitling. You can't abu- put glitter on a turd. Right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, the thing you do a thousand times is like, no, I don't rip my kid up by the arm a thousand times. And that one time, <laughs> and know. that one time you just jerk their arm out of the socket. And if we want to go into the crazy symmetry of this movie, too, then in the time from the beginning of the movie till now, if you go backwards on that from the end, you're going to land right in about the spot where Jack's talking about the same story, telling about how he did it. Maybe not quite. It's going to be a little bit further back. But you have these things that pop up later on, and they're they're going back and forth between the characters. Right. Yeah, from there's supposed to be like um, ways that you can, like I said, with stretching. Fold it up. Yeah, <laughs> it's like you can watch this movie in reverse and forward at the same time, and you can kind of see overlapping narratives that happen, whether it's coincidence or not. You know, you can make up your own mind. But it, it is interesting that some of those stories do align and some of those characters align. I think we also uh, have to mention that this movie in particular sets a record um, for many of the takes. They on average did 20 takes a scene and got up to some scenes doing like 50 there's even in the Guinness Book of World Records it says that they did 120 takes for one scene uh, which is disputed a little bit but regardless I mean yeah I mean when incredible you're... when you when you're doing a, plus. A, yeah a major motion picture they average about five takes per scene so if that yeah. gives any sort of perspective they're doing things 30 times it's just incredible yeah, here's here's a scene I like right here too is the uh, the car shot where they're having like a uh, one of the happiest family moments you could have on film. <laughs> you know, we're, we're gonna stay up in a cabin for five months out in the middle of fucking nowhere. Aren't we all excited? Well, the funny thing just from doing this podcast <laughs> isn't obviously anything that Kubrick was alluding to in this movie, but you have all the talk of cannibalism with the Donner part. Yeah, this is the <laughs> and then after it, it goes straight into the overhead shot of just like the green all laid out. And was it, what, same year Cannibal Holocaust came out? Opening yeah, with the I same so. sort of opening overhead shot of just this green inferno being laid out? Mm-hmm. It's, it is interesting. This came out like two weeks after <coughs> Friday the 13th as well, which came out in 1980. So some interesting like little side nuggets. And, I mean, yeah, put, 
put alongside Friday the 13th, you could yeah. see why people weren't judging this really as a horror. They were like, oh no, Friday the 13th, the guy with the oh, knife slasher, running yeah. around stabbing, you know, 30 people throughout the film. That's that's what horror is. It's, it's not this psychological arc film about a family falling apart. There we go. There's the green inferno shot because I have it in my notes. And so <laughs> what I, I, uh, I read that a lot of this, the footage of them driving on the going to sun road was given to... Blade, Blade Runner, Runner yeah. yeah, for some of their uh, closing credits, I believe, yeah. like for the happy ending. <laughs> oh my God, all these fades are just fucking gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. there's yeah. so many in a row in these next couple scenes. I love how it, they made it look like the car was driving straight into the entrance of the hotel, right? And then the the triangles lining up as it all comes across. And here's the uh, Playgirl issue, 1978. <laughs> yeah. Pants, yeah, Playgirl. What's he doing? There was so another another thing into sexuality. You know? Yeah, there was an article Maybe about incest, like uh, why are you know why are parents sleeping with their children? That was an article in that specific whoops, specific uh, article he was reading. Weird. I mean, and Kubrick, issue, yeah, you know that that definitely probably I mean probably wasn't a mistake. It's it's hard to say that. Anything. Danny unfortunately was able to only read the article once. Because then the pages wouldn't come unstuck. That's oh, right. Jesus. <laughs> so, That's a wrap, boys. It was always a, it was always a childhood dream of mine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> to replay girl. To replay girl. That specific issue. Um, no, to actually stay in this hotel, you know, with my friends. I was like, oh man, someday it's gonna be the ultimate horror trip. Yeah. To go stay in this hotel. It was amazing to find out that this whole hotel is just a recreation built on a sound. Sound studio, yeah, in, this is, uh, uh, in England. Yeah, it's pretty and amazing. So they, I mean, they took a rug guy. Yeah, it's yeah, it's incredible. It's incredible. They took, uh, I mean, they took pictures from um, iconic hotels all around uh, the Western United States, uh, Colorado, Yosemite, and emulated uh, a bunch of the rooms to look like those hotels. Yeah, like the Colorado uh, lounge room, like I said, specifically was modeled after. Um, let's see, I think it was the uh, Awani hotel in Yosemite in like Santa California and then there was another one in Arizona for the uh, bathroom scene that's going to come up a little bit later on the red uh, bathroom scene uh, I'll point that out but it was based on a f uh, Frank Lloyd Wright uh, oh, design we got twins the first snapshot the first shaming uh, <laughs> actually second so I think them appearing right there this first time is way creepier than like the iconic appearance way later on yeah. Yeah. No, no fucking for me, way for me for me, going through that iconic appearance, it didn't hold as much weight. We had already seen them, and Jack had already started going downhill and creating a different sense of terror by that point. For me, them just showing up out of nowhere in the beginning, that's what frightened me. Yeah, that was, this is some scary foreshadowing, like, as, oh, a, sure, as a later yeah. time of seeing the film. Initially, I just thought that they were weird guests, you know, that just showed up. And uh, because there's and still people, oh, look, he's going to check well, these chicks out. Boom! There's a check is out. That them. <laughs> yeah. See that's oh, later in life. <laughs> later in life. See, that They're always there. His, weird, uh, fucking weird. I didn't even think about that. What's what's this? I'm sorry. He was just asking if those two girls that just passed by the family going are down, the Grady were the two, girls? Were the Grady girls? Because we just saw two girls, and then the next scene, we just see yeah. two more girls walking out. I mean, I, I possibly paid that much attention, Tyler. Um, but like I was saying, like, yeah, Chumpy second butt. time going around foreshadowing, those twins are creepy, but initially they just look like kind of guests to me. And then... 
Yeah, here's some more of the uh, the talk of the bear uh, pictures and whatnot. Not necessarily in the bathroom, but over the bed in Danny's room. And there's like scenes of kids pictures and stuff like that. One kneeling, one standing. Anything. To so do there's with like, like these weird bear reference, like to yeah, the, the, the big bear. burly bear guy. Yeah, <laughs> so that's this the weird. <laughs> crazy. And this is where you could first start to really come up with weird theories. Is they're about to cross the road. They're about to get hit by a car. Yeah, here's the oncoming car. And then it cuts. And they're walking down the road. Right. Uh, this is Abbey Road style. Weird. But the sentence keeps going like there was no break. Right. And you can so always see this movie in red as well. A Jacob's Ladder sequence and they all died right there. Oh, Jesus. And then it's the worst No. Uh, that, so I guess... Uh, and their spirits stayed at the hotel. They, yeah, they're just living I guess, the afterlife. I, I guess crew have responded to... There's a lot of incongruencies as far as the the traveling planes that the um, that the actors take because people have drawn out the maps of the hotel like when right. Danny's on his tricycle and stuff and they're like oh my gosh it goes into another dimension and they're like no actually he just wanted to keep a, a flow a, a flow with right. the camera and he wanted to keep the push going for longer but he ran out of room and so we had to flip it upside down so we could continue going down hallways and it's, we didn't we're not thinking about other dimensions but I don't know. I, I don't know. I like it because I had heard that, obviously, having watched, like, Room 237 yeah. and stuff before this rewatch for for notes and shit. And I tried to comes follow Dick. some of the the internal character. directions of, the, of it all. And it's what started to make me feel claustrophobic because I felt like I could never get out of this place. Right. It felt like it kept just wrapping in on itself. Yeah, it's, it's kind of the repetitious theme of the maze, too, sort of. Mm-hmm. Oh, and you did, Riley. Yes, Scatman is the best yeah, part Scat of this fucking movie. Is, is. So, Scatman got um, actually asked by Jack Nicholson to be in this film uh, because they worked on um, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest together oh, and a few yeah. other films. So, what um, a poor sweet man! I mean, seventy yeah. years old and just brutalized by Stanley seventy Kubrick years old the yeah. entire time. I think every take he did was like 50 takes or something. Oh, that damn white devil. He just broke. <laughs> that damn white devil. <laughs> he broke down. I watched a couple of interviews with him after it. And like every interview, he's just, he's crying like the entire interview. But he says it's from happiness. But I know it's just because he hurts. <laughs> he's always like, I didn't think this was going to be he's this like, tough. I'm just crying from the oh, beautiful people. This is a weird, interesting side note. Uh, he played... Uh, Mingo, the Mandingo, and uh, the TV series Roots. Oh. <laughs> he sure does. Like, wow, what you a know, credit. I'm so glad I've only watched Roots once because it made me really, really want to like punch every white person I saw in the face. Yeah. <laughs> Just going to point that out. I'm right here, Tyler. I know. It's okay. No, I, wanted, I, wanted, I punch white people in the face, too, when I watch that stuff. Yeah, uh, interesting thing too about Scatman is they released this film on his 70th birthday here in the United States when it came out. So uh, it's kind of weird. <laughs> like I said, yeah, he went through this grueling, you know, experience like taking shot after shot yeah. after shot. Uh, but then in a weird way, like he, this film dropped on his 70th birthday. Crazy. I mean, that was. I mean, that's <laughs> happy that's, birthday. That's Kubrick's method to this. This yeah. movie wasn't acted you know it was lived it was a lived experience and that's really what he wanted to convey this this freezer is very gruesome by the way (laughs) just like pig's feet and shit chillings full of frozen meats yeah it's just unwrapped it's it's very subtle um, gore yeah yeah it kind of makes you uncomfortable and like 
There's a lot of red going on, like highlighted red going on. Every shot. Every, every single shot. shot. Either overtly or subtly put in, but every shot has a uh, red. Yeah, red is the... Like throughout the whole movie? Yes. Yeah. Like the second season of Brian Fuller's Hannibal? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, it has to be there because it's just such a... Well, here we thing. go. Here's a, here's oh, a no. really cool... Oh, yeah, we're about to pop in uh, scenes. Oh, man. One of the cool little actual conspiracy theory. Well, two, actually. Yeah. Um, Does that have to do with the thing on the coffee can or whatever? It's on the baking... Oh, the baking powder, yeah. Yeah, So here we go. And uh, apparently Stanley Kubrick, he positioned them by hand, too. So it wasn't by coincidence that they were just stacked up the way things are stacked up. People took pictures of him arranging things. Right, so So. here we go. And here's the tang as well in the corner, which goes back to the moon landing. Because that's what astronauts drank, was tang in space. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh. Yeah, come on, guys. See, because... My eyes go to the Kool Aid that's right next to it. My eyes always go to Tang. <laughs> my eyes go to the. I love me some. I love me some. Some Kool Aid. My eyes go to the Calumet that you guys didn't mention, which Fine, was. Fine, Calumet day. is a peace pipe, and at the time, Scatman was offering Danny through The Shining some ice cream, cream to which, sort of. Uh, yeah. It's a sleepaway camp. Between them. Yeah, that's exactly what I picked up, too. I didn't pick it up, I watched it. But <laughs> I totally follow that theory because I feel like that's. I mean, it's right there. It's staring you right in the face, and yeah, that's well, exactly what he's doing. It's just sim- more red, symbolism. Yeah. yeah, but no, I was thinking too when they have that exchange, like they're having that shining moment, and yeah. he asks him, "Hey, you want some ice cream?" I was like, "Oh my gosh, Tyler and I just did sleepaway camp not too long ago, and they had that same conversation." <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if they did a you know a direct reference, you know. Yeah, so but this, it's kind of a what, weird what we coincidence. Well, in Sleepaway Camp too, the weird thing is we're talking about the fact that Danny might have been molested at some point. Yeah, Sleepaway Camp. He was being the kid was being offered ice cream in the pantry. The hush, <laughs> specifically for the kid to get molested. Yeah, so. that was the hush food. Oh. <laughs> what, do, nice. what do we think about uh, Danny's flyers jacket? Um, you know. You can. Th- what do you think about it? Well, it's a, being it's a Wings fan. I think it should have been a devil's choice. jacket. Yeah, <laughs> right. It's an obvious choice because it's the letters are so bold and in so many shots. So I, I just have no idea where where the place would be. Here's a speaking of abuse. Here's something interesting about this scene too, because this is you know Halloran and. Uh, Danny having conversations about how he knows that Danny has The Shining. Right. Uh, so he talks about the fact that he and his grandmother used to have conversations for hours and not even have to move their lips. Um, but in the book, apparently, uh, Halloran's father sexually abused him, yeah. made him do things and whatnot. And yeah. there was like this whole different side story. So that whole sexual abuse thing is kind of a... It, it pops up whether it's indirectly or subliminally. It, it pops up. <laughs> no pun intended either. This is... Uh... Scatman Crothers' hardest scene to shoot. Yeah, I think this this was the scene in particular really, that uh, that got the Guinness record for like 120 takes, um, and it was mostly of just Scatman Crothers' face and his reactions, um, because I mean that's yeah Kubrick Kubrick would do it until they broke, and then make him continue to do it. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Danny got his ice cream like he said he was going to get. <laughs> yeah, he absolutely got his ice cream. This is one of the only roles that Danny Lloyd ever did. Yeah, actually, coincidentally enough, he never really did. I think he did maybe like a few television spots, but not much yeah. after this. So, 
the thing that that also popped out to me in this scene is Danny's <laughs> well Danny's description of his interactions with Tony and what he tells him <laughs> what to say and not say yeah. yeah it sounds like Tony molested it's weird Danny. he's like he lives in my mouth <laughs> and then when he when he's not there he lives in my stomach what we, what we I mean, in the book it, we know it's his middle name yeah, and that we learn about him, it's his, himself from the future. Right. Giving him, trying to give future him Future news, yeah, yeah. Yeah, giving him warnings, but it's coming in very cryptically. And so, right, and this you don't verbal, The way that. he expresses it is much in the same way, like, oh, no. Mouth I'm, troll I'm not stomach to talk, troll. <laughs> I'm not supposed to talk about our, our, you know, secret camping time or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Like. You know, bear, bear suit time. Bear suit. <laughs> bear suit. God, that bear suit. <laughs> yeah. But uh, <laughs> oh, bear suit's still coming up. We gotta wait. Oh yeah, no, we got quite a ways before we get to see bear suit. Yeah, and this, I think, uh, I think he's telling him right now that. Uh, well, I think he asked him too if he knows in, anything about this place. Nothing he's in, in room two three seven. Yeah, don't go in there. He and even said some of the uh, room two one seven was the the broken, actual was yeah. the actual room, and also was. I think the hotel not, the, the hotel asked them right. not to use that, so people would still. Yeah, that was the uh, one in Colorado because people would, you know, get scared and not rent that room out, knowing right. that they're staying in a fucking haunted room. So, but he gives a very um, non-convincing. Yeah, you don't want to go in there if you there's see the key or in the door. There's nothing open. in there. <laughs> nothing. You stay out of there. I tell you. It's like, okay, yeah, when has that ever worked for like a kid? When, when someone likes their lips, they're fucking serious. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> it's like, hey, it's like, hey, uh, are the Christmas presents in the closet? <laughs> There's nothing in the closet. You stay out of there. It's like, no, of course it's that's there. Just gonna, yeah, that's just going to happen. Course. So how good were you guys at unwrapping your Christmas presents? It's almost the season. Terrible. 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 <laughs> yeah, he's getting. No, uh, I mean physically, how good were you? Could you could you make sure that there was no evidence left behind? Like, if you unwrap, because I got pretty good at it myself. I I'm just gonna... Oh, you mean I never cheated? I never you cheated not... at Christmas. Nope. How? Why does that not surprise me? <laughs> he's son of a bitch. <laughs> of course, you some things are sacred, boys. <laughs> I didn't Always. watch horror movies growing up, and I never cheated on my Christmas presents. <laughs> Not so, a single So time. how Mormon are you? I was, <laughs> I was too busy listening to Trent Reznor talk about how he wanted to fuck me like an animal. So oh, what yeah. would Trent so, be doing right now? Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, Trent would be playing something like a very minimal ghost track right now, kind of uh, building into something. And we'd be like, ambient? Yeah. We'd be like, Trent, do you, got, you got to be doing that right now. Can you just watch the movie with us like a normal person? And he'd be like, <laughs> no, no, I can't actually. I've got to be creating. <laughs> he'd be like, can't chill out. Some, Hitting some springs with a hammer right now, like getting some really weird rattles. And yeah, yeah and that's like a that. good idea, actually, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, uh, and we just have some blips here and there in the background. But this is the this is the late seventies, early eighties, before constant soundtrack. Beautiful really mouth. Thing. Yeah. Um, and and there's a lot to be gained from the absence of soundtrack in this film. Uh, I think it's just it builds that feeling of of tension. Yeah, absolutely. There was a, um, I looked up if there were composers for the film, and there were, but they didn't, ended up not using the soundtrack that was originally written for the film. Uh, Stanley actually ended up choosing um, a lot of symphonic pieces from the uh, 30s and 40s for most of his, for most of the score, and it works really well. It's all 
wartime pieces and it's very reflective kind of of that that darkness that all inspired by the the horrors of the war exactly and yet you get so much yeah just foreboding darkness i mean it's just like reflective of the holocaust yeah and this scene that we're watching too with uh danny and his big wheel tricycle you know riding around the lounge how awesome are these scenes well here's something that's really cool too is the the technology they were using for that camera technique was a steadicam uh, developed by garrett brown it was like there was like they were using like a wheelchair mounted yeah wheelchair and it was the one of the first times they used steadicam this and uh was it Rocky Two? Yeah, Rocky Two. There was yeah. like a oh. few other films, but this was like one of the first half dozen films to use that. But I he, love all the slow zooms and. Well, here's some interesting stuff too with the mirrors. Or, yeah. If you pay attention, like there's a lot of um, like duality, like a lot of um, uh, yeah. almost yeah, self-imaging. Yeah. yeah. What I love, especially with this mirror shot, is we're about to go into this conversation, and everything that she's asking him about in the beginning, he's only shown through the mirror, mm-hmm. and. He's not. He's obviously not telling the truth to her during the whole beginning. You only see him out of the mirror when it switches, when he starts talking about his first experience at the hotel, when it started influencing him. Uh, here's an interesting novel. So note. you're saying the mirror is kind of like his, his. And later on, as he actually goes crazier, the mirrors start to show a little bit more the reality rather. Well, they start to show the insanity yeah. rather than the reality because right. he is now the insane, insane reality. So he's kind of becoming the mirror. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a foreshadowing of what... Mm-hmm. Uh, the reference here, too, I was going to make was uh, the Stavington High uh, t-shirt that he's wearing oh, yeah, with the Eagles. Former, former yeah, school. Yeah, former school. At, uh, right? Apparently in the book he abused a student and yeah, that's, that's why he no longer worked he, there. Yeah, that's how he got kicked out. He hit a kid. <laughs> Oops. Oh, I thought. That's why you were saying earlier with Olman's character, he yeah. wasn't he wasn't highly impressed with his abusive nature. Right, exactly. He had, he'd hit a kid. He was more rough, but he was he was a straight edged person, and um, and and Wendy was a very a, a cheerleader type. Um, yeah, like kind of yeah, kind of closed minded Midwest person as oh, well. Oh, don't you know? Yeah, yeah, and so they really uh, rare to this experience, and so Stephen King would. He he begged uh, Stanley Kubrick not to cast Jack Nicholson and Shelley Duvall because he felt they were so wrong for these roles. Like he's like Shelley Duvall looks weathered, looks like she's had experience. She feels like a victim, and Jack she Jack looks Nich- kind of strung out. And yeah, and Jack Nicholson he's just a little he's cra- he's already crazy. He already looks like mat his eyebrows say madness. You know, um, I, I here's believe, the Adler uh, typewriter, the German typewriter, which yeah. there's a lot of the uh, Holocausts. Uh, theory scene, shit going yeah. on with that being the, oh why did they choose a German typewriter yeah I don't know I, you know you can yeah like so you can you can stretch you whatever can but the, here's some improvised uh, tennis so ball was, scenery so that was the first with the, the tennis ball scene right there was the right. first scene where they're actually alone in the hotel correct yeah this is a month later so they're yeah absolutely alone right now because the, the scene leading up to that was I guess him him waking up in bed but it, it was so Eggs and bakey. Between when the when they were being shown their room, right? And that. Yeah, the whole first like what maybe thirty minutes of this film is formal introductions, formalities, mm-hmm, getting yeah. introduced to it. Um, so so now, like you say, here's kind of an interesting scene too with the maze. These, the first introduced these to the maze. shots that they do in this movie are incredible with the following and trailing. Yeah, <clears throat> steady cam, and they actually steady had cam, to, bro. They had to build a. Uh, they had a, a map for the maze because these scenes... Oh, the they crew, got lost. Yeah, the crew was actually getting lost. Yeah, they had walkie-talkies <laughs> for, uh, you know, just in case. 
And so I read something, I was, I was trying to pick up, that they were using some sort of transmitter at the study cam where they were able to... Uh, Locate? Yeah, well, they were able to get the footage out of the maze and it was... It was people could pick up the transmission. Hmm. I don't know. Oh, huh. That's interesting. I didn't know that. So you could accidentally scoop in on the movie? Yeah, exactly. He thought that people were accidentally, like streaming it from like other places here's I like this so, throw because it looks like he's about to hit the chandelier and he doesn't yeah it's a fucking second baseman <laughs> I mean I, I, short, I think these scenes stuff. are all really neat about <laughs> this is kind of when you start to too. think about some of the theories and shit about it being of like genocide of Indians or right. just sort of in, I would say it's a little bit maybe more in general white oppression yeah, I can see when that. When you start putting I mean, together some of the things. But even when they go on that tour, he, he explains, Oldman explains with the 1907, cool. they yeah. built it, there was like Indian resistance, and you know, we had a, they had to deal with them. But you, you have them throwing the tennis ball off of all of the, all this native, native art. stuff. Native yeah. art, native stuff. And that, but that was also, been. you know, um, I, I mean, I, you, we could arrive there, but Jack, Jack Nicholson was actually the one who Him brought, brought yeah, he brought right. that tennis ball in, but... Yeah, but this, you can also, uh, I, I think, sort of look at this, uh, and it, I'm not, this is another one that's been brought up by people way before me, but it's sort of like a anti-capitalism movie, anti-the-system, like the system, anti the man movie, with... Oppression And now in he's general. looking out, and you have, like, Danny being the new oppressed masses, being... And you could look at it from a number of ways. In if you frame it through today's looking, he could be like the new. He could be queer, basically. Yeah. He's the new oppressed mass, looking first to guidance from what came before, with Scatman being the black man. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And right. what came before that was the Indian genocide, which this is all based in. Yeah. And he's learning through his tricycle rides how to both work through their system because he has to, but then is the, also goes outside and goes through the natural world, which how is eventually... <laughs> God damn it, sorry. I thought about this a lot last night, which yeah. is later on Jack's downfall because he only sees it from a planning perspective as shown by the model within the hotel. Or when he's looking at the maze? Mm-hmm. Oh. This carpet, I've always loved this carpet. Yeah. Um, it's so unsettling. It's very mechanical, and I mean, it's, it's kind of beehivey. Yeah, um, it is hivey. But but not in not in like a good kind of way. I don't know. It just it, here's the room. Yeah. He's not supposed uh, to go in. There it is. But you're right. It it does kind of have a uh, a weird when you mix it with that flooring the the almost like the walnut brown and mm-hmm. you know just you have this weird contrast in the carpeting for that time yes. period too it can be unsettling too if you're staring at it too long because you get caught in the uh the design of it the patterns of it yeah and doesn't it change there's the the open hexagon or open hexagons or open pentagons and then it goes closed like mm-hmm. once he, while he while he's still waiting to have this connection they stay open i believe well we'll have to look at this yeah, i yeah. think i but I, and then after He's made the connection. They go close. Um, I just know sometimes you gotta wiggle the handle just in case. Yeah. <laughs> just in case there's presence there's in there. No, there's no way he's staying out of there after well, the goddamn yeah, I, I, Scatman Crothers. Yeah, there's no way. He's I, just I like, know this. 
<laughs> if this kid's name was Riley, he couldn't have done. <laughs> okay, if this is if this is baby Riley, yeah, I would have just kept on riding, man. I'm not it, supposed to be in there. I like how he he watched this push off. Bam! That's yeah, old school right there. That's a baller move. <laughs> and that sound design that comes in there too is just yeah. like so unsettling. I mean, I'm the. I mean, you cannot I, under I I you one can, of those. You cannot there. undermine the sound design of this film. Like watching this quiet is right. so not scary, you know. But that sound is the. Well, the yeah, we've mentioned he, that all the too. Music yeah. that he uses and all the sound that he uses just gets right into your right into your skin, you know. Mm-hmm. So I had to put down in my notes that this is the first scene with. Jack at the typewriter, this is the first scene, in my opinion, that he just goes full-on dick in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so right now... Yeah, some of this was improvised, too, like, uh, for the time period that he was in. Uh, you know, he... I guess he was, like, uh, referencing back to a relationship that he had where he's kind of mirroring that in, in this scene with Shelley. Yeah, so a very hard scene for him to act because it was so... Personal uh, to him at yeah, that time. Yeah, it was yeah. so real. Yeah, so some of the, the stuff that gets ad-libbed, I think it's towards the end of this, uh, the line where he's telling her... You know, if I'm in here, even if I'm in fucking quiet, whatnot, I'm ad limiting a little bit, but um, that was some of the, that was some of the personal stuff that he was going through with a relationship, and he's trying to write and being, uh, you know, interfered with and whatnot. So this kind of plays out right here in this scene. Hits home, yeah. I mean, it's that's it. I mean, it's real. All Super of this, harsh all their, you know, this this story that Stanley Kubrick adapted is great, but it really wouldn't. It wouldn't hit home if it wasn't for the performances of Jack Nicholson and Shelley Duvall. We'll see Daniel a chair Boy. in the background disappear in just a little bit, guys. Just what was that? The chair in the background will disappear right behind uh, Jack Nicholson. What do you mean? You'll see. You'll see. Over his shoulder, there's a chair up against the wall. And they mentioned that, too, like where you, where you were but, talking about once he starts losing his mind a little bit. Yeah. Where some of this, you don't know whether or not he, it's illusions Right, that are happening incongruencies, know? or if they're part of his mind, right? Yeah, and that's more part like of the psyche. How we're getting into the psychological film, you know. I mean, by the end of this movie, is there any single one of the characters that could be a reliable narrator? Well, that's the no, point too. Is like, no, they're all they've all been yeah compromised all, in some way. Right? They're all the, they're all they're just, in. Yeah, Scatman's yeah. always reliable. Well, well the name like Scatman. <laughs> Scatman, yeah, sorry, Scatman's gone, man. <laughs> And, man, he's down in Miami right now, which you know I can't blame him. So I was gonna uh, mention too that the uh, scores that Kubrick chose to use, a lot of those come in threes. Uh, they'll you'll hear them three times throughout the movie each. Um, and the last one we heard when Danny discovers room two three seven was music for strings, percussion, and Celestia, and it's a movement three by Bella Bartok from the nineteen thirty two. And it's just, uh, it comes at all these, they, it signifies these moments um, when he's interacting with the, the past or interacting with the ghosts. And uh, Bella Bartok, of course, uh, most famous for being the inspiration for the name of the bat in the animated Anastasia movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. And then I keek her, sir. I like this too, right here, where they're running through the snow. Like they're, you know, this is where, with I guess most families, you, if you don't experience the snow, it's you know it's fun. They're having a good time, but then you see Jack inside, kind of, he's kind of there. He is, he's oh, stewing. Yeah. <laughs> Check out that. Where where Fucking you find that sweater? Weird. That is yeah. a gorgeous that's, sweater. That's a good will right now. Yeah, that is. Matt Ford. That's your grandpa sweater right now. Eighteen inches at least. Yeah, that's yeah. an eighteen. That's an iconic Jack Nicholson. But yeah. even the like the mon- the Minotaur theory with his yeah. bullish looks and. 
even some of his rampages later on, you yeah. know, it's, I mean, it's, you know, say what you will. But I think this is kind of a a thing, too, with, with his psyche. Like Saturday. The dad's starting to really lose it. Yeah. And and that last, when they were running through the snow, was, was uh, cluing us into the passage of time. Yeah, we're now in the dead of winter. Yeah, now you're really you're stuck. In. Yeah. yeah, so isolation. Uh, emulating light from snow required huge lights outside of those windows and inside the sound studio when they were doing all the interior shots, which made the interior of that studio incredibly hot. So everybody uh, in between takes was stripping off all their winter clothes because I guess it was pretty miserable in there. Uh, this is the scene where she's calling the Power Rangers. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Sweet jacket, by the way. Yeah, that. It's a peyote jacket, if I've ever seen one. Like, that you know, you... I mean, it even... It, it goes well, too, with, like, uh, with some of the flooring details yeah, and the patterns and, and stuff it, like that. The drapes. It says also that Stylish. I have done drugs. Yeah, yeah. I, I am currently that. doing drugs. Yeah, I am currently doing drugs. I mean, if she's smoking cigarettes and, you know, wearing peyote sweaters or peyote jackets. Yeah. So I want to give credit real quick to these two guys once they pop up in the scene, but uh, Ranger 1, Ranger 2, one of them is uh, David Bax, which I think is the guy sitting down right now in the scene, another guy standing up. Uh, guy sitting down is uh, David Bax. He was in the Superman, 1978, Christopher Reeves, and the 89 Batman which also had Jack Nicholson in it. Oh, I love that Holy Batman. Shit. Yeah, you know, so keep a lookout for him. Batman. And uh, the other guy, this is his uh, debut, Manning Redwood. He was in um, a couple of uh, films, A View to Kill, Never Say Never Again, and Death Wish 3. So this was like his debut. Death Wish 3. But nice. he, he wound up playing with like Sean Connery with several films afterward. And we were mentioning James Bond earlier with uh, Ullman's character. Well, and bringing up Batman, there was numerous times when we, I was watching this movie and looking at Jack Nicholson's face and wondering, Batman. how the hell is this him still like 10 years away from being the Joker? Yeah. He looks already like the fucking yeah, Joker. He He's does. Crazy, you know? Hey, so speaking of uh, your duality, we got an eagle in this scene, mm-hmm. and we got an American flag in the other scene. Uh, or, I mean, the, in the other, the other room. You're talking SS? We've got a lot, there, we've got a lot of I mean, uh, patriotic symbols throughout the Yeah, we do. The film. A lot of, yeah, like... American flags and sprinkled throughout these. The July the Fourth being a huge one, right? Exactly, and so it's kind of like there's a there's a, a whitewash in a sense. Exactly, a whitewash. But again, that could be attributed just to uh, an amalgamation of all these Western hotels and stealing their art, you know, and trying to emulate. Oh, oh, oh shit! Oh, now these got bitches. The encounter. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, uh, if you didn't know iconic moments from The Shining, we just ran into one. Come yeah. play with us, Danny. Yeah, this this part changed my life at seven. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it probably is too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, this is an iconic scene so, here. And, and even like with the, the cutscenes in between of showing them what happened to them in that hallway, um, that's some more of the. There we go. Some more of the gruesome stuff. I, but it's quick. I immediately it, had to write down in my notes. I'm like, that's fucking dope. You can put that up against any scene from any horror movie. The quick cuts. Yeah, yeah the quick, yeah, they, yeah. They, they, just the cross cuts, the juxtaposition. It's so right. effective right there. With, matched with the sound design, that's brilliant. Which is also, I believe, the, the second time we heard that score. When it'll play a third time uh, later on in a climactic scene. Um, but just an effective, surreal, nightmarish moment. 
uh, it should be known too that Daniel Lloyd did not know he was part of a horror film That's while filming right. this. He thought he was filming a drama, um, and he was just coached by Kubrick, who was standing right in front of him. They uh, um, reactions to give. They played music to kind of get him in the mood yeah, too. Yeah, they played symphonies yeah. and, and different things that would kind of set the set the attitude. Because Kubrick, with this, he really wanted to capture capture the attitude and the atmosphere and the theme and. It was a real awesome piece of uh, just a fact to find out that he was uh, obsessed with Eraserhead at the time. Lynch had yeah. just come out with Eraserhead. And so he had a, the whole crew watch Eraserhead and Rosemary's Baby and Exorcist to just get the feel right. And you can hear Kubrick say to Shelley um, in the behind the, behind the scenes, they're kind of arguing about lines. And he's like, you know, I don't think the lines matter as much as long as you get the attitude. Yeah, and so it's a lot about that's where we go. We go with the psychological horror that we get these these atmospheres. Now I really want to point out the awesomeness of the Impossible TV in this. The scene uh, and how wireless clean TV, and awesome it looks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Impossible TV. How does that? Well, here's an interesting thing too. Do you guys know what they're watching on the TV at the scene with uh, Danny on the floor? And, no, I don't. Uh, it's called Summer Forty Two. Remember, Forty Two is supposed to be a direct number to 1942. Oh, right. Yeah. So it builds on some of those theories, yeah. So well, and of course there are uh, six flats of Seven Up every time that Seven Up is shown in a scene. Six times seven, guys. Forty-two. Kubrick knows how to fuck with people. Yeah, you you know, and that's that's the thing is like, did he put this much time and effort into it? And uh, I mean, he was obsessed. If you go back and look at his other movies, yes, he did. He is a complete psychopath. Genius, and I do want to point out the amazingness of him being able to do things. So it's terrible what he put these fucking actors through with all those takes and just the fucking torture. But being able to do that within the studio system, yeah, having so much oh, trust man, yeah. in your art from them that they allowed you to do fifty takes. Yeah, on the I mean, scene. no one takes it back. They do say it was like some of the hardest experiences of their life. I mean. Daniel Lloyd doesn't have anything but good things to say because he was treated so well. But, um, but yeah, that doesn't. But Shelley Duvall, who, who you know experienced extreme abuse from everyone, and I mean knowingly so, they told her that they were going to make her live this experience. She didn't want to take anything back. And yeah, I mean you're right. I mean, you know, I guess at a at a point, you know, how much do you look into like that side of it? You know, like the abuse yeah. and whatnot. And then on the other side of it, you come out with this artistic masterpiece, you know, and, and it's a weird line where you have to draw, like, between ethics and morals and what's right and what's wrong, but... Here we get, uh, we get Jack Nicholson in both the mirror and... Yeah. That's, that's well, this is a, a really strong, interesting scene, too. Uh, I mentioned the kids in the background of that painting mm-hmm. uh, right above them. One is kneeling, one is standing, so that's a, another huge reference to some of the... Um, uh, yeah, some of the sexual... And- and we already, tones in this film. We don't feel like this is a good father and son relationship. No. Like, it's not a wholesome where he wants to run and say hi to dad and play on the bed or anything. Yeah, like, like even his hands has, are restricted. With right, his he signs. has to be forced to come over there and he is not a happy camper sitting no. in dad's lap. Right well, now. what's the main question he asks his dad is, you know, is he going to hurt him and mommy? You know, and it's like, it's like, uh, yeah, you're, you're, what does he say? Something like, um, I love you more than anything in the entire world. Yeah. 
You know. Did mommy <laughs> tell you that? Right, and you, but you're <laughs> as an audience too. You're worried about his his well being, even though well, we yeah. haven't seen anything. No, so far I mean to show that he's. You know, we've heard stories, but right. like right now, we're just like. Well, if you don't oh, see it, you, it's was one of those things too. Like it's it's something that happened in the past. We didn't see it. It what significance does it play now? But it does. You know, it's just. It's one of those things. It's um, it's very subtle, but it has a huge, you know, um, difference in, in how it's portrayed. Yeah. Like, yeah, if this was a normal relationship, the kid would probably be hugging his dad and a lot more affection going on. But this is weird and creepy and yeah. forced. Dad wouldn't be Jack Nicholson. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Hopefully. You know, he he hasn't been sleeping. Saw him in that black sweater. He looked pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> looked pretty minotaur. Yeah, that whole lead up to it too is like he wanted to get his like uh, toy truck or whatever it was yeah. out of there, and he's like, "I'll be quiet. I won't wake Dad." And it, even that was kind of like yeah. there was apprehension about going up there. Oh, yeah, they're like, yeah. "Don't go up there because." Oh, and his dad's is... fucking already up and <laughs> sitting on the yeah. foot of the bed. Remember, Shit. remember that time he pulled your arm off like Pennywise. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry, Georgie. <laughs> I do love just uh, the artistry in that scene transition, too, where Danny gets up and walks over from his side of the room, and the room splits in half, and it's yeah, the yeah, door yeah. opening, yeah. and he comes through it as he comes across. It's, so cool. it's just, oh, it's so fucking beautiful it's, because. It's brilliant. By the way, if we haven't sucked off Kubrick enough. <laughs> but you know what? Like, you know, he, he probably spent like 500 times trying to get that right. Oh yeah. He didn't. He didn't. You know, I think the only time that he uh, he took a minimal amount of takes was with the elevator blood scene. It only took three takes. The only problem was it took nine days to set up. Yeah. So it yeah. took a year to get the shot. Yeah. <laughs> well, and details, would, right? And with yeah. all those takes, the editing process was also a monster because oh. he would go through every take. Oh. It wouldn't be. Go through the first twenty and be like, "Oh my god, I I hit it. This no. is it. Yeah, I nailed it." It. <laughs> it would be no. I have to go through all of them. And he'd have them do it, and you know, twenty times of the same, and then you know, ten times of something absurdly different. He'd go through all different moods. He'd have them do it when they were pissed off at him. They'd have them do it resentful and sarcastically. Yeah. He, you know, and then and sometimes those are the cuts that took it when they were just like when they hammed it. Like a lot of Jack Nicholson's takes were, you know, 30 takes in when he was just hamming it up and giving weird faces because he didn't know what else to do, you know? Look at that like, pack. I don't know what you're looking for, so I'm just going to goof off. And right. that ended up playing into, like, the psychosis of it. Here's a scene that took, like, 50 tries to get right. right. Yeah. <laughs> this with the per- tennis well, ball. look at the symmetry. Look at yeah. the perfect symmetry. Yeah. It's, you're, you're not, you're not going to see this a lot in modern uh, cinema besides, like, you know, Directors that use it to their trademark, like Wes Anderson. So here's an well, interesting. Even the zooms you don't see a lot in modern yeah. oh, cinema. That's, that's such because a... it takes you out of the scene. It reminds you that it's a movie. Yeah, it reminds you that there's a camera. So but he's not really showing you real life. Where do the ball come from, guys? So did you see when it rolled in? It rolled in on a line, yeah. on right. an open thing, and then when they just showed him, he's closed in his little pen- pentagon. Yeah. Well, here's your Apollo 11 reaction to abuse. Yeah, that's too obvious. Something went into his. Pentagon? Yeah. <laughs> well, this also is another the uh, phallic symbols here, where it's pointing towards his mouth. <laughs> right? Okay. I mean, this is not my ideas, boys, but uh, <laughs> Tony is his mouth to... troll. Yeah, so Lister Fiend. Here's the Apollo Eleven going to uh, reveal the dirty secret of Kubrick staging the moon landing. Right. Sorry, Riley. 
or or we're just going into to, to Kubrick's two three seven, which is is his dark sexuality, his uncomfortable feelings about sexuality. So we're going into eyes wide shut. We are, yeah, we are exactly. You know what's interesting too? Here's something I've heard that it's fucked up, but it's true. Is at the time. Um, Let's see, Angelica Houston was staying with Jack Nicholson back in the 70s when Roman Polanski um, drugged and sodomized a 13-year-old girl, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and it was at Jack Nicholson's place where the, all this went down, and, the, you know, it's the whole point of Polanski being out of U.S. soil, but I was like, wow, that's kind of, you know, with these sexual connotations, the choking in the background. Some of these are like porno pictures and... You can see naked ladies in the background. Oh, yeah, you can. Yeah. I never noticed that. Yeah, so a lot of that is like, you know, that wouldn't be there knowing Kubrick just by happenstance. A lot of this is very staged. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah well, I mean, knowing that this is all, you know, this is... Yeah, even a, in the backgrounds. We're like, not in a real hotel, you know. We're in a built soundstage. So all these yeah. props, everything was found and gathered and put here specifically. So I like the caveman sleeping yeah. right here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Next to his Marlboros, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you smoke a pack of Marlboros, you're going to have those so kind of dreams. Right? So, so Marlboros is cowboys, right? Yeah. yeah. That's the symbology of the cowboy. Exactly. Yeah, there you go. So, yeah, here's Shelley Duvall taking off. I love that off. this nightmare and everything happens when... Here's the, another bear right here. Danny reverses it and goes into... The eyes of the bear. The, the cursed place in the hotel... And it, yeah, it, it this sort is... of shows the, the connection that Jack and the hotel are starting to have. Well, not only that. That's the exact timing on when all this starts to really break right. off. He has the crazy nightmare. Uh, and things start killing, to become yeah. very tangible. So, but what about... And I, I feel like it's the Shinings working against each other. Because mm-hmm. Scatman sort of intimated that the hotel shines. Yeah. You know what this calls for? Yeah. More weed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So got to dig deeper. But what about so the first time we see Jack typing though, knowing that that's all he's typed, you know, we we we, we find out later. Sorry guys, uh, spoilers, spoiler alerts. <laughs> we find out he's been typing the same exact thing, you know, basically proof of madness from the beginning. And so what is I mean? So what does that say? I mean, he, that happened before, you know, he went into the forbidden place, right? But. Uh, that was that at that point it was still mm, just Danny. affecting Jack. Right. Now at this point the the things coming into direct contact, it all becomes more tangible. Danny now gets choked by the, the right. sick lady. I would say this is the inciting incident. Yeah. Yeah, where cuz I mean now now shit's changing. This is radical. Danny's showing up with bruises on his neck and we're we're inferring abuse, and Shelly's infer- inferring abuse. Like right, she's yeah. not even, you know, she's pissed, but she's not like, uh, I don't know, in disbelief. She's like, how, you know, how could you, you son of a bitch? But you still, son like, son of a bitch. I've, I mean, of course it was him. And if the hotel shines, then we also have more mirroring with Danny. Having the guy who lives inside his mouth that tells him things, and the hotel having Jack living inside it. Yeah. Yeah. What's on his neck actually? Like, what happened there? Someone gave him a hit. Slag rash. Because it doesn't look like it doesn't look like a choke. Because bush rash. What's happening on his cheeks? Like, it's just such a weird. Unless there's like big thumbs. Up there, like that. I don't know. Like he's well, it's also some some of this is inferred that uh, what they'll find later on in two thirty seven with the uh, titty ladies 
is they might be witches. They could be hags, you know? Yeah. Um, so that, you know, the choking and whatnot could be... So this is, and this is turning point too. This is, I mean, now... now Even some of this disbelief too, it's kind of like him... That's such a good reaction. Oh my yeah. God. Jack, Jack... Him almost being like in denial about his abuse oh, yeah. towards Danny. His, yeah, when we see we see his reaction for the first time, it's just, it's horrific. You know, it's absence of empathy and, right. and almost kind of... Now, just like the caveman belief in mm-hmm. in the story he was just shown in his head. Well, here we go too. Like with with the with the interactions with the mirrors, where <laughs> every time he comes up upon one, he kind of rages. It's kind of like a self reflection, mm-hmm. you know. Like outside of this, you don't see him interacting, and then boom, he'll go into another fit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and all the way into the gold room, which kind of mirrors to the gold rush of that area. Yeah. So the, the gold room, especially with the size of it when we were talking about the layout of the hotel earlier, right. is especially the room that absolutely can't exist. There's no there's spatially. no room for it. There's, spatially, there's no room for it with all the corridors that we've seen around. Yeah. I love that the sign says uh, for the for the hours um, that it's open, it says the unwinding hours, which is absolutely what's happening at exactly. this point. Exactly. He's ending his long five-month sobriety. <laughs> Isn't yeah. It? Is it longer in the book? Is it like 14 months sobriety or something? Uh, I'm not sure. I think, I think it is, yes. Uh, this is one of the most iconic... Interactions. Yeah, it, well, just... And how often this has been parodied in other... Oh, other I immediately and, wrote down in my notes that I just started giggling because I started thinking about Homer and Mo. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. That's, that's good. What, so... Well, here's something, so, too. Oh, go, I'm sorry, Patrick. I was just going to say, too... When he comes to, um, with, like his kind of, with his kind of awakening of his mirrored self that we're getting right now, right? he knows the bartender. He, yeah. already, know, he already knows this existence. Well, it's interesting, like, too. He doesn't have to be like, who are you? Or he's not in, you know, he's not in disbelief. It's just like, oh. No, like, they're all buddies. Back. Yeah. Yeah. All friends. He's familiar with us. Yeah. Fucking bitch. That's <laughs> what he's basically saying right here with yeah. his wife. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, sir. I didn't abuse anybody. This guy was actually in Blade Runner. This cat. Yeah, he was. Um, it's it's funny. His name is Lloyd, which happens to be Danny Lloyd's last name. Jack being you know Jack Torrance, Danny being Danny Torrance. The only one who didn't keep their name, I suppose, like was Shelley Winifred. She chose the pretty one, Wendy. Yeah. Oh god, Catman's I mean not Catman, Scatman's so fucking smooth, isn't he? He was supposed oh, to be a ladies' man <laughs> in the uh, the book from what I understand too, so And I I mean he's not on screen right now, but these guys ramble on for a bit and Jack just goes crazier and crazier. I I He likes to point Jack, out, he drinks Jack. Which is kind of ironic. That, he yeah. does drink Jack, isn't that funny? Yeah. Scatman I mean not Scatman, but Daniels? his character, Daniels? fucking Dick Hollerin, we last talked about on the It episode. Yeah, we he did. He crosses over. He does because of the he, Shining and all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. In uh, the uh, in the book, the Shining led him to uh, be the one to show up and uh, help release the people from the Black Club that got burned down. Yeah, and he's the one that saved their lives. Is that in the book? Yeah. Oh. Um, I never. Pretty read, heavy. I, yeah, I never. You read know, it. I had mentioned too about the uh, Star Wars. Um, Episode 5, yeah. uh, Empire Strikes Back. Well, that director, I can't remember his name right off the top of my head, but uh, anyhow, he and Kubrick 
apparently oh not Kubrick uh, King developed a relationship Stephen King and he did and I think his name is Kirsch like the last name's Kirshner maybe or Kirsch or something of that nature yeah and they condensed it and it wound up being a character like a teacher I think and it so there was kind of an inspiration uh, for it in a weird way his interaction with the director for uh, Star Wars so go figure that's cool yeah. But yeah, I like how, uh, like in this scene, I know we're jumping back and forth, but this scene too, how some of the lighting changes, it almost feels like now it's more a little bit closed in as more, mm-hmm. earlier it was spatial. Yeah, it um, definitely direct, it directs us in. So you kind of feel in him, almost feel like maybe he's getting sunken in too, like it's trapping him, it's getting him where it wants him, the house, or the, uh, the hotel it, itself. Exactly, it's lining him up. Uh, the shining isn't so the the ability to shine um is a is a common theme with a lot of stephen king books um that's how he's kind of created a world of people who shine do you know that's a musical reference yeah it's a john lennon right plastic ono band uh remember that yeah from the chorus but there's a they wrote uh or stephen king released the sequel uh, to his book, The Shining, it was called Doctor Sleep, and it was basically about a bunch of uh, these these living sort of demons among us that feed on those who can shine. Mm-hmm. Basically, seek them out using The Shining, and then take their steam. You just made me want to read that book. Every other synopsis I ever heard of that book has made it sound way more boring than that. Oh, it's amazing, and it's, uh, and, and and Danny uses his power to shine. To bring people into the afterlife with ease. Okay. So he works usually at like um, hospice centers. He travels from and the doctor sleep. Right. Okay. Yeah. I, I I knew that part of it. But yeah, but it's, I, all, I, I all the rest it. of that that sounded way more it. interesting than everything I've ever heard about it. Cool. You know, everything else I heard about it made it sound very mediocre. No, it's it's a gr- it's a great it's a great follow up, and he'd always thought about well, whatever happened to Danny, and he was just like, well. Perhaps they continue to shine and help other people who shine, and also there's people who take advantage of that, and there's people who f- feed on that. There's living demons. I was to say, perhaps we could get you on just to do synopsis for us. <laughs> <laughs> synopsis. <laughs> yeah, Patrick, tell me what this movie's about. <laughs> Sell it. Uh, it's our whole new podcast. Let's see. It's All, a 15 second podcast. I, comes out every week. I also know that. I also know that Stephen King wrote a screenplay for The Shining. Rejected. But it, yeah, but it was rejected by Kubrick <laughs> because it was too by the book. It was, I mean, if you've watched any uh, screenplay adaptation by Stephen King, it's it, lines are directly out of the book. And yeah. um, I mean, they're iconic for me. They end up kind of being corny, in my opinion, but I, I still love them. But I'm glad, I mean, I'm glad he took this and, and kind of took the ball and ran with it in a different yeah. direction and in more of a an art film sense and Here's a Lynchian a, way. I, I like this uh, right here too where Shelly uh, or Wendy and Jack are having the interaction in the gold room and no, she's I telling about be, uh, Danny's interaction, right? I have to be honest with the way left they left it off she runs into the room like that and starts <laughs> screaming about something I'm not crazy. else. Yeah, I'd have yeah. to be like, wait, wait, hold on. First, say you're sorry. <laughs> yeah. So I think that was actually sorry, the, that was the first time I think we we saw her interact with him physically. She touched him on the shoulder when she first came in, yeah. and it was kind of like you know trying like a move of intimacy, but um, he didn't really believe her. He kind of just gave her the. You know, he's like, "Are you fucking crazy?" <laughs> I wonder Are if she you? can smell booze on his breath, or if that's all just placebo, you know, like or not placebo, but in his you know 
Ectoplasm. Yeah, is he drinking? Is he drinking alcohol or is he drinking ghost alcohol? Ghost Daniels. I don't know, but there's some more of them titties. (laughs) Yeah. Them titties. And that fro. Look at that. Perfect symmetry, too. I mean, it's. Yeah. (laughs) That's from the Phantasm there. No, I just. (laughs) That that felt very Holy Mountain to me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, We're about to have a shining moment. Hey, more. Let's go back to sexuality again. We've got. Scatman, who's very comfortable with his sexuality, is yeah, very well, yeah. comfortably sexual. African He's princesses. Like, if you're coming ladies. into my room, this is what I've this is what I've got. Like I've got giant portraits of naked ladies. How how much how much you think Scatman's getting? How much you think he's pulling enough to be laid back with his feet on pads? Yeah. <laughs> Seventy years old in Miami, Look at him, dude. He's Scatman. You already seen how smooth he was early in the movie. <laughs> he ain't He's playing. Uh-oh. He just had the vision for that song. Right. Like, yeah, I will make a song in the nineties. What was the his hit. inspiration right here? What was his inspiration? Uh, yeah, right. Oh, he's just staring Ice at cream. posters. I always thought about <laughs> big, big old boobies. <laughs> I was really wondering. That's if, Scatman's O face. I was wondering if Scatman had cataracts at this time because I was like, it kind of does. He kind of looks like they. He, he looks does. fuzzy, but he's you know he's an older guy and he's a green card. That's why her fro has to be so big, so he can actually see it. Oh, I like this. Here we go. Yeah, the we slobber. See, and then, so what did they say, the you know, to, to Danny for inspiration for this scene? I'm wondering, and it's like, oh, it's a... Uh, it's cold outside, and you're shivering. It's cold outside, you're shivering. Oh, you're, you're drooling because you're... You lost motor control. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, you're... Your character's having a seizure. Have you ever seen one of those? Yeah. Can you pretend to have a seizure? Because you know I mean, what a seizure kid, is? Kid's five years old, you know? It's not mm-hmm. like, all right, so now you're having uh, a moment, uh, a, a telepathic moment where you can see your dad interacting with a naked demon. So what would you do psychologically if you just couldn't handle that? Yeah. So here's, here's another <laughs> idea, theory that I've heard about this scene, too, is that there's two different uh, ladies in this room, one being in the tub and the one that comes out of the tub, and they're kind of mirroring each other. Um, and it's it's like maybe even alluding to the fact that those could be the twins in there fucking with him. See, I think it's Wendy. Explain. <laughs> Everyone just... From I Denny's. Think, Wendy's from Denny's. Yeah. I, th- I think a lot of this movie shows, uh, and well, what a lot of the, the mirroring is Mirrors. a bunch is a bunch of possibilities. Right. Uh, Jack continues to make these choices that brings him down to the path. It's The house is influencing him, but there's times, like here, where he doesn't have to give in. Um, here, uh-oh, uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> there it is. What's weird is we don't yes. have a sound on, but I'm still hearing the high frequencies that yeah, go yeah. with this scene. Yeah, totally. Like, oh, yeah. it doesn't even matter that they're, that they're not there. Like, yeah. it's so Pavlovian. And Bush. Landing Andy strip. Bush. Gosh. That, I, yeah, um, I don't know a landing strip. I wouldn't land on that. And, and that was sort of set up in the beginning with the two heads looking the same uh, during the interview. <laughs> That's the choices that he could make throughout his time there. Right. And one could still take him away from the uh, house. Because everybody's being slightly influenced by it, I would say. Yeah. Um, but except the others are making choices to get out and go see the hedge and not, not continue to feed into all this terribleness. Right. Um, and so, the the sick lady is 
uh, a Wendy that gives into the house and just caves under pressure and lives out her time there and is sucked in and is uh, just continually trodden underfoot. This lady that we're about to see? Mm-hmm. Ah. See, because then I've heard other analogies that this is just Kubrickian fear of sex and discomfort with sexuality. Also, I'm also heard this also explained as because, the mirroring of Danny in this scene too. Like some of the like the the way he's kind of I, mean, I won't say he's not innocent, but he's just kind of and then his reaction too out of the room. Right, you know, it's almost childish in a way. Right, it just his first interactions with sexuality are right. really. Um, He's not direct right here. They're really unsettling, you know, and they're really, um, like, he gets tricked, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, Deceitful, you know. It appears to be something and then finds out that it's something radically... I think you can see the face change a little bit here. Also, uh, possibly the inspiration for uh, Melisandre in Game of Thrones. Uh, and I, think, <laughs> I hate it. Maybe we see, uh, we also see almost the same I, like this identical scene in in Stephen King's It in the movie see, then, the '90s yeah, scene like the where witch. Beverly Mar or oh that's right where Ben's making out with Beverly Marsh and then it's Pennywise um, another just moment of of deceit you know and just what kind of cheese is she growing on that body <laughs> oh my lord now before we're out of room 237 yeah. if there's a hotel out there that has redecorated a room to look like hotel like this room 237 contact me and i will go book a fucking weekend because i love yeah. this fucking room yeah that carpet too with is the ladies unreal. oh my god it's so cool <laughs> really cool you don't leave the key yeah in the door. Where, who put the key in the door initially where did the key come Well, yeah. From? It was exactly. sitting there. Well, the first time we saw the room, the key was sitting That's not an illusion. Well, uh, you know, <laughs> really? it, this goes back to that room yeah. 237. When Danny's riding by. And he shakes the door. The and key wasn't in. Oh, the key wasn't, wasn't in there, no. but it was but then it open with the key in it when yeah. he goes in the room and gets right. the bruises. But uh, on there, you see room number in the N-O. Mm-hmm. The O is, you know, Very small. And it's an algamation or a, an alma, uh, what do they call it, an uh, anagram for room and moon, moon room. Yeah. Uh, conspiracy. Conspiracy. <laughs> no, we I'm never saying. landed on the moon, guys. Guys, guys, we never haven't happened. been there. You kidding me? I'm removing myself from this. Earth <laughs> is flat. Don't. No, it's not. Come on. We all know. Like we live in a, a snow globe. Kind of a donut shaped. <laughs> <laughs> With custard yeah, what in the are, What other shapes we got? Like, let's come on, let's develop. Flat's boring, guys. Flat's boring. Hexagon. More mirrors. More Jack Nicholson mirrors. Yeah, and then like some mirrors. It's it does show like the um, and the, another the duality. Yeah, cool. I don't know. I felt like we were right outside, kind of like that twin hallway too. It seemed like that. It seemed like the wall wallpaper. Well, here he here he is denying his interaction in the room. All this shit's in Danny's head, and uh, he's about to snap. Yeah, so why why at this moment? Like he's even looking in Danny's room. What's uh So what what's the reason for his denial here, guys? Do you I mean, is it embarrassment that he was that he actually saw something in that there? That he saw something there that he was trying to get fresh or is he just like in denial about his psychosis? I think why can't it be all three? All, all three yeah. of those things. He's yeah. just he's I just embarrassed less. and he's bold and stubborn and he's yeah. not willing to give up on something even though it's shown already horrific uh 
consequences. Yeah. He's like, oh god, we're in way over our heads. Hey, we're gonna stay and ride we're, this out. Uh, this is gonna be okay. It's gonna be okay, and you're. It's, if de- it's not it's December. We're here till April. It's not, I know this <laughs> wonderful not, place in Amityville. We can move yeah, to. exactly. <laughs> Haddonfield, Haddonfield, Illinois. Come on, I've got you know, we've got responsibilities. Yeah, I, bet, I mean, our ten-year plan is to end up in Gotham anyway. So <laughs> she's like, so, but, so there's still the issue of uh, those bruises, bruises on yeah. my, my we need help. neck. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Was that was that you or? I think Danny did that to himself. Yeah, you know, I think he... Yeah, I just don't think he uh, likes life. He's five, you know? So I'm playing with his fire truck. I know he's thinking about killing himself. He's going to put out a fire, possibly. (laughs) He's going to burn this bitch down. Yeah. I just don't really trust him. Five years old, he's not thinking too rationally. Peanut butter and jelly, I mean... Come on. (laughs) And jelly? You know what? (laughs) (laughs) Come on. (laughs) And, uh, oh, there's the red rum. So I find this hard to believe that Stephen King didn't know that uh, murder backwards spelled red rum until he saw it, like like actually physically saw it. Oh. And apparently there was a racehorse that uh, went by red rum in the 70s. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, all right. So I guess um, when Danny says it 43 times a little bit later on, <laughs> it yeah. kind of lets that sink in. You're like, oh, yeah, about that. So well, red rum was the very first thing I ever knew of this movie. Yeah, like going back, growing up, and yeah, stuff. I heard somebody reference. made a reference to it, and I thought it was really cool sounding. Yeah, and so I, I went. I probably freaked my parents out. I hadn't seen the movie at the time, but I was like, "Red Rum, Red Rum," <laughs> okay. and my dad like showed, "Oh, it was murder," and I'm like, "Oh, that's awesome." Yeah. <laughs> so that was a nice like that was a nice cross cut that they did right there. Yeah, yeah. Um, just to uh, you know symbolize rage and symbolize psychosis and. Uh, the, surreal, the blood flowing maybe the, the in his surreal, veins too. The surreal the coming out that 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 yeah that just surrealist image of of yeah just wham the unwinding basically. Yeah. And I do like how he's he's going from like these different uh, shifts in color to like a yellowish reddish room to like that blue opening. Yeah. So it's even like the moods changing in some but, of those. But that's that's what I love so much about it. It's just it's so not clear cut it's not like he puts on a mask and becomes a psychotic killer it's it's this uh, this unwinding into psycho psychosis and we go on the journey with him you know we feel it and we see it and it's symbolized in all these different ways and it's just it's brilliant and because this goddamn hotel and its layout we're stuck in it with him oh mm-hmm. we're stuck in the biggest space and we feel like lab rats yeah, yeah. in this well, maze yeah i mean that's that is kind of the uh the interesting concept of using the maze outside and inside because either way you're trapped yeah exactly and and that that's that was the the whole intro sequence just showing us how far away from civilization we are yeah you know? we're we're deep in this passage of the mountains Way All at right. the very end. So I had to write this down. It's probably far off the mark, but I thought it was funny. <laughs> With all the genocide and shit and everything else Damn. leading up to it. Him showing up late to the party and still having good credit. White privilege. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> Your money is not good here. White privilege. What? <laughs> yeah. Well, here we go. With uh... some blue light. It's yeah, nice. we're, we're about to get... Uh... Yeah, we're about to get uh, some information about uh, he needs to get back there. He needs to know if they're safe. Um, he just wants to check up. I'll call you back, Jack. Essentially what this summarizes is what's going on here with Dick Halloran. 
He's worried. He's getting some. Well, he got the feedback got, from Danny. Yeah, he's got the some shiny. Intu- he's got some intuition that Jack's starting to lose his mind and 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 lie about the obvious, uh, which is the presence of. Um, Demonic beings, or I don't know, what you call them? I don't know, demons, ghosts. Yeah. Ghosts. Um, Poltergeists. Poltergeists. God, I really never picked up on all the mirror usage in here. Yeah. Um, God, you gotta think about that. I mean, boom, this is like complete contrast of... And this is where we first meet Delbert Grady, yeah. the former caretaker. Which is interesting because the, uh, the the interview story involved the Charles Grady, so it's a completely different Grady. Because this guy's a Delbert Grady. I was going to bring Grady. that up. I, I think that also has something to allude with the choices that you can make when you're there and how that affects yeah, right. who you are. Who you are. And so it's two Grady's. We have the dead Grady girls, but then we also have those twins that he had, that the guy meant talk to on the way out. Mm-hmm. That could be the Grady's with all the mirrors yeah. in this movie. Very and well. it's it's all based on the choices they make, but they're all stuck here. They're all which is what, Hotel California? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back. <laughs> Hair of the dog. Yeah, he's excited about yeah. that. Oh. Jack Nicholson can't wait to get back on. He's getting his groove on. Look at so that. which scene do you think this was? Like which take? Which take on this scene? Oh, oh my this god. Is, no, this, <laughs> this is way is like... in. This is way in. This is like take 37. Yeah. And also, in a row? This is, when, so, yeah, when Kubrick just told when he was just like, fuck you, Kubrick, I'm just going to be like, I'm going to wing it. As possible. <laughs> What's really different about this film, too, um, how it was filmed compared to other films, it was filmed in a very linear fashion. Oh, yeah. Generally, right. things these days are filmed in a nonlinear fashion. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, shoot scene 47 today, and then shoot scene one tomorrow, and right, shoot everything, right. you know, to get the same appearance and everything. But he had, he shot it in a linear fashion, start to finish, which means he had all his different sound stages up. <laughs> Already ready, set up, yeah. Ready to go all the time. Jesus. So he, he um, delayed a lot of other films from being shot because he went over, and he had everything taken up. He had... He's like, no, I want all of it. Well, it's, it's interesting. All set up for the shining. Now. You brought up. Uh, Have we mentioned the Kubrick's perfectionist? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, uh, our tour. The, uh, the the Steadicam guy. While they were filming this, you know, he was supposed to be working on Rocky Two. Roy Brown. Uh, Garrett Brown, I think his Garrett name is. Brown. Yeah, and uh, at the time he was having to fly back between, I think, Philadelphia and London to film both simultaneously yeah. because it ran over. The Shining ran over. So that's just, you know, kind of alludes back to what you were talking about. Now, um, I do love that when Grady was telling him that his money's no good and stuff, that he specifically uses the phrase, orders from the house. Yeah. So is this, is this another sexual reference, guys? Well, Devil <clears throat> Grady blasts white stuff all over his coat. Yes. Boom! And his leg. I all don't over. I don't know. You guys were just going there. And, so I and then he like wiped it on the there. back like that? That was a nice. You know, it was a totally improvised Jack Nicholas. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You're not gonna get the last sticky dicky on me. It, it, it's not improvised. He's How just used this? to that. So this <laughs> is right. bathroom. This bathroom was oh. was taken. Right this was modeled after the Frank Lloyd Wright uh, architectural design in the bathroom. In um, it was in Arizona. Uh, I have to take a look at the name of the hotel, but. Yeah, it's uh, modeled right after that. Yeah, it's just brilliant. I mean, the r- red. Red. It's, yeah. Like they wanted to. They were like, mm-hmm. he's living in the red right now, yeah. basically. Like almost all is, the way red. He's yeah, completely engulfed in this existence, uh, with the poltergeist that aren't even really 
aware of what they'd uh, they've done, or maybe they are. So, if the fucking kid from Sixth Sense was in this, <laughs> who would he be seeing? <laughs> <laughs> all of them, all the time. Yeah, right. So could we solve this movie just by bringing like Haley? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Haley. Haley Joel Osment into this movie. So run up Haley Joel. Machine, Haley Joel Osment. Bruce Willis doesn't need Back to, to the future. <laughs> he's greedy and lazy. Well, anyway. we know we just found out that he's a ghost stuck in 1998. Oh, yeah. right. Right. Sorry, guys. If you haven't Spoiler seen Spoiler. It's also a good one, too. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, getting back to the bathroom, this is, this is uh, the Biltmore Hotel in the Arizona I was mentioning. So that's, that's the bathroom that this is modeled after. But uh, interesting conversations here, too, because he's talking about... Um, you know the fact that he's like, oh, aren't you the Grady who murdered your yeah, family? He's taking taking pride in revealing his knowledge that he like he's he understands that maybe he's you know not as delusional as he thinks. Perhaps yeah, like exactly. he's calling he's, him out. Yeah, he's calling out his delusion. So he's talking to his hallucinations, and he's like, "Hey, aren't you the pizza I had earlier?" Yeah, and then he's like, "Aren't so or, you were the better. caretaker?" He's like, "No, you've always been the caretaker, Mister Turns." Like, I know better. You murdered your kids and killed yourself, so you're not real. But it doesn't like, really matter well, because I, he's uh, talking to it. And I don't feeding, remember that. He's feeding it. He completely believes it. Yeah. Even so, he's just lucid. That's all it really means. And it doesn't really... I don't even know <laughs> I like this. matters at this point. His facial expressions. His faces are just... Did, they never showed any other picture of Grady earlier in this, did they? No, they didn't. I would love it if they did, and in the earlier picture he had a full head of hair and in this one to intimate that he did blow his, his brains out oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bald head. That's, yeah silly I thought er, later on when uh, Shelly sees her first um, poltergeist that that was Grady too but I was wrong about that it says nice party or oh, something oh like, right I totally thought oh, that was, was Grady that, but, that was nobody we've seen before yeah right? it was no. just some rando fuck uh, I mean, I suppose we'll talk about him again when he comes on screen, probably. But <laughs> I corrected her. Yeah, yeah. Some of this, my favorite dialogue in the whole thing. I, yeah. my friend and I would always have a hoot listening to this, just because of his. Yeah, he talks about correcting yeah, behavior. His strong accent and his, um, he's very racist. Yeah. Oh God! Uh, yeah, yeah. He does not like Scatman being involved. He knows. Oh, doesn't he drop the big N bomb? Yeah, he does drop the N bomb. Talk about Scatman getting involved with the shining because he pretends to be an innocent you know um oh yeah he's he interfering plays, he plays the part innocently yeah. enough and then he kind of comes to his no actually i'm speaking for the poltergeist of the house and we're being interrupted and you need to shut it down because we need to live in isolation just these ghosts up here in this ghostly mansion well and then with the dropping the end bomb what about earlier on when jack even brought up fucking white man's burden Oh, with, yeah, with the alcohol. Yeah. White man's burden. There, I mean, God, there is, it's such a repetitious theme of genocide and... and oppression, oppression of some sort. Yeah, exactly. Oppression in so many ways, from from Jack to Wendy, from Jack to Danny. The actual, yeah, the abuse also, both in the past. God, and, also we've talked about their faces. I feel like everybody was cast strictly for the expressions that they can make like Shelley yeah. Duvall's yeah. expressions yeah. and like very Jack animated. Nicholson's expressions and Danny's expressions they're just what really this, uh, bring us in this guy here Philip Stone is playing uh, Grady Delbert Grady he was uh, the father 
the dad in A Clockwork Orange to uh, Malcolm McDowell's character. Yeah, Yeah, and some other really cool films. He was um, Zogi the High Priest in Flash Gordon. (laughs) (laughs) For those who are curious. Leaders of the universe. After watching this so intently last night so I could write my fucking notes, I realized that I really, really, really need to greet go back and watch Clockwork Orange. Yeah. That movie's so Closely. good. Stylish. It's, it's That's always been it's my hard, favorite. Yeah. It's Kubrick's. hard to watch. It's disturbing. Uh, I mean, uh, as far as my Kubrick goes, that's always been my favorite. So, But I've always just been a very, very shallow surface watcher. God. I get really easily wrapped up in even just the slightest bits of Nadsat sling that they throw into it. And, and so I've never really sat down and examined some of the shit that he shows you just artistically. Oh yeah. my god, it's just it's brilliant. So it, it's interesting right here how it's basically like he acknowledges the you know the poltergeist hallucination. He's like, I know, I'm aware that you're not real. I'm aware that you're, you know, you're a ghost. And then it's like, okay, I am aware. I'm I'm a ghost, and this is what I want you to do for me. And then he just becomes like transfixed. He's like, all right, yeah. you know, like. That sounds good. <laughs> yeah, it, it's the house's way of, like, you need to carry out orders as the caretaker. There are certain obligations and that you have to follow through on. require you kill some people for us. Yeah, we're going to need you to go ahead and kill your, your son and your, your wife. House orders. <laughs> it's funny the use of the word house, too. It could reference almost like a slavery thing in a way. The lights oh, the lights finding that whole last scene kind of make it that make his parts hard to look at. Almost, it's like a little too bright. Um, kind of doesn't make it a very comfortable experience to watch him just blowing yeah. up. Yeah. Poor Shelley, right here, seeing uh, uh, where she's upstairs talking to herself, trying right. to rationalize what's right. going on. And I mean, this take fifty seven. Right, this movie, like you know, she says it was the hardest of her career to film. Was emotionally and physically trying. She had many uh, like nervous um, breakdowns on the set where you, they, they, you know, they lay her down and give her right water here. and breaks, and she was losing hair. And I mean, the the nature of the project was abuse, and so she understood that, and she endured it, and she lived it, and it really, you know, it it makes us believe it. So I mean. I think this is where he's saying uh, red rum. Yes. <laughs> you know, and... Red, red wine? Yeah. yeah. Some things were, in a, you know, brought to attention by Stanley Kubrick that weren't, you know, focused on very strongly by Stephen King, where he, you know, took those elements and put them up on a pedestal like red rum, you know, became essential to the whole. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, yeah, like, there are certain things thematically where you can express them in film compared yeah. to like you know in novel form and whatnot and be more expressive and there was a lot of things i think that he's seen and you know expanded on them yeah you know and i think like this is definitely one of the iconic the uh elevator scene for sure you know just certain scenes that that it's hard to put in context when you're reading it because you know everybody's mind drifts on what's what should be you know in their minds this and that the other but uh he kind of spells it out a little bit for us even though it's it's kind of weird because you don't know if what you're seeing is, you know, real or not. Right through these characters as well. And this is this is the first time we're back with Danny where he's no longer present. Like yeah. Now yeah. he is. I'm not now, here. Now Danny's, Danny's not here. Now it's Danny's repressed and 
and and Tony's taking charge. Basically, he's on autopilot from his future self, trying to uh, keep him safe psychologically from the danger ahead. Uh, you know, this might be spoilers too. I mean, we're already this far in, but that's that could be a good parallel to uh, for those who are familiar with Stranger Things too, with the Will character, like how it, that shadow character shut him off. Exactly. You know, that's kind of what's going on here as well. For those but who are in, kept in, up, in an opposite sort of realm, yeah, in a safety mechanism. It's not, it's not shut off because no, no, no. I mean, he's he, yeah, you're right. He's, he's in a safety off mode because he's like, holy shit, their ghosts are running rampant. Your dad's about to become a ghost. Yeah, here and, comes uh, you're gonna need all some, communication lost. Yeah. yeah, you're gonna need some. Uh, you're gonna need some help. So autopilot. How much on. do you think that will fetch on Craigslist? That piece of machine right there. <laughs> <laughs> But he and just he is pulls out some on his chips. Mission. He's just like, all right, first thing we gotta do, make sure my family can't commute and communicate with anyone. That's right. World. No texting. <laughs> scat, Let's go right back to Dick Howard. I'm scared, man. To communicate with. The, <clears throat> he said he, he said he'd call back in 20 minutes. <clears throat> it's been about 20 minutes. He's like, <laughs> man, I've been sitting in this room with this blue light. Yeah. <laughs> my red can't, phone. Can't turn the light on. <laughs> Like I'm right outside this giant pool. <laughs> like Only he's, place I can afford. That guy's smoking a blunt. Yeah, he is. That's a fatty too. Yeah, but uh, oh yeah, I'll check back in. Yeah, this is uh, where you know, like some of the urgencies kind of setting into you know with this outside character. Like he's kind of feeling that dread, I, I suppose. Eight a.m. That's when I first, work. First time we have a reference to the time. A day. Yeah, and you normally just slides. get like a day or like yeah. a month later. You get a specific time here. Mm-hmm. Well, and that that just continues to add to the urgency too. Mm-hmm. Everything just keeps getting shorter and shorter throughout we throughout were, those yeah, time we were, frames. We were jumping through presumably weeks and time. In the yeah, beginning. at first yeah. it was like a, a month, month later, yeah, and, and then it was it's like, like Monday, Tuesday. I was like, oh, why are we shortening the amount of time? Something's coming because yeah. yeah. It's like when you start hearing the boss music in a video game. You're, you're, yeah. you're not, you don't see anything yet. And you're like, oh fuck, you know, can funny. I save? Yeah. <laughs> okay. oh, he was, I like his expression. He was or like, on that line too. Like, I wonder what he's thinking or doing. Like what, like the inspiration for him just staring straight mm-hmm. ahead on a flight for hours to Denver. Oh, this perfect symmetry coming up. Yeah. Very. Yeah. Very holy. Very holy. Even though, like, I mean. There's so so many small minute details in the exact same on both sides. It's just I mean Ugh. that shot alone. Just brilliant. It's beautiful. Very tricky landing on an icy runway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even the use of reds in this too, you know. What? He's like he had to get red in every single shot. Yeah. Somehow. Here's Durkins. This is the guy I was talking about, the quarter man and Apollo. Oh, right. Yes. I was about to say when I was going through this last night, I'm like, that motherfucker looks really familiar. Why do I know him? Throw it and it's towel. because I've watched a lot of fucking Rocky. That's why. That's why. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, his name is Tony Burton. Is this is this uh, chess dude? Yeah, you're yeah. right. He brought a uh, chess set on uh, to the set, and he and um, Kubrick got into you know like some good chess matches apparently he only beat cubic once because cubic is a hustler in chess and i guess that's how he used to raise money in new york he would go into like you know parks and hustle make money and shoot films because of that 
So that was a way for him to survive and hustle. And... It's a hustle, baby. Yeah, man. So what's on the TV? Yeah, what's on the TV on the mechanic shop? Some sort of cartoon. Oh, Some that's weird that's thing. just talking about how we fake the moon landing. Oh, right. Yeah. Oh. It's just it's spelling it out for you bit by bit. The uh, the bug is the masses. Oh. Um. Shut up. <laughs> just played a damn commercial. This is Halloween three, season of the witch. <laughs> but no, I guess what they're trying to do is he's trying to set up like a um what a snow cat to get up there. Right. It's uh-huh. it's ex- and you know, it's just the weather's they're, they're shitty. Just talking about how terrible extreme conditions are. Yeah, he doesn't feel comfortable like there's something not going like, right up there that with that family. Right now. Yeah. It's just awful. So we get those up here. So it was theorized that this scene where they he passes by a destroyed vehicle yeah uh that was iconic in stephen king the novel yeah, right? in, the, in the novel and it was kind of stanley kubrick waving at stephen king saying hey look your story stops here yeah it's on the side of the road under a semi there's that red vw yep, over yep. there on the left right there he's like that yep. your story's done and i've just taken it well, and that's with the with the yellow bug in the beginning, right? A very obvious choice against 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 what yeah, was in the book. Exactly. Yeah. It's just like no, I'm do, I'm I I there's it's embedded in your vision, but it's complete. It's something completely else. How about that contrast too from these two scenes, going from that drive where it's kind of dark and icy to mm-hmm. where this is more. Your yeah, eyes kind of come back into focus. You know, yeah. that's kind of interesting. But there's a poop bear in the back there. Yeah. There's the Pooh Bear. There's the kids up there I was talking about. One kneeling, one standing. Mm-hmm. Baseball bat next to the Pooh Bear. Yep. And something phallic coming out of Pooh Bear. Oh, shit, you're right. Pooh Bear has a fucking heart That's on. That's the uh, yeah. the fire engine, it looks like. <laughs> Massive heart on. What? Look, Pooh Bear's I know, I see heart it. on. What's happening there? Why? That's, a, that's what they call a honey stick. <laughs> <laughs> Get a lick of that honey stick. God damn it. That's where sugar smacks come from. What do you think Tigger bounces on all the time? <laughs> Man, it turns out, it's it's out Kubrick's just a giant pervert. He's like... Yeah. Dicks everywhere. We were talking about that earlier. It's interesting that during this whole conversation, a lot of the conversations in this movie, they go back and forth between the two faces that are having the conversation, but in this, it's all Danny. There's no... The focus never, is on him. Yeah, we, the, the camera doesn't really change at all. No zooms. No pans, no nothing during this whole thing. No, it's just a. And I also want to point hand, out just still, that still shot. all these the the poo the with browns, the, on, like the browns and the too, big yeah. phallic fucking baseball bat are all in the safe space of pink of the womb. Okay. Yeah. Oh boy. But she's taking the bat now. Yeah, but I'm taking the dick away. Yeah, Pooh Bear still got his. Yeah, that's no, that's no mistake. Yeah, that, oh, that is no mistake. Uh, so now the interaction and the dreaded uh, another quote unquote world record scene. The take. Yeah, disputed for like the over the over the hundred mark. Um, really, like yeah, she. I think Shelley Duvall was like fainted from mental exhaustion after this one. And, and just anguish, um, and I believe she uncovers some of the madness right here. I mean, most of the madness, uh, most intense scene like movie history. We were mentioning in historical context for this movie when it came out, it wasn't really regarded as scary. It wasn't much of a horror movie, and this part 
and then a bit later on towards the end might be part of the reason why because compared to your normal slasher like you brought up Friday the 13th at the end of a slasher when the final girl confronts the slasher she finally gets the upper hand usually by gaining the phallic symbol right yep in this she starts out with the phallic symbol gets the upper hand but it doesn't matter. She still loses it, and he regains it. Nobody knows how, because he doesn't even regain the bat. He's regained this more aggressive... He's got the axe, but it's still this giant dick. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's only through the kid's reasoning that he's finally undone, rather than your normal slasher sequence, mm -hmm. which they, they, they start off just giving her what normally is the climax. Right, what you usually is the story turning around. Right now, I mean, she's just... She's, she's discovered the lines. Yeah, she's discovered the lines, which is basically showing that the entire time they were there it was for naught. was uh, a, basically a, a giant moment of a turnaround of deceit. You know, this is where the, the basically the this is why we're here. Yeah, this is the floor. The the <laughs> floor falls out from her existence right now. Realizing yeah, exactly. that there is no sanity to be found. Um, the, yeah. It's just that it's it's that moment in your life when you it's just a complete turnaround. You're like, oh shit. Yeah, I mean, this is like All a I thought was not a harsh reality sinking harsh in. Harsh reality. You know? I saw um, on a couple of those pages it says Jack me, Jack me. Oh, well, there's a lot of different typos. I wrote down my favorite is uh, All Work and No Play makes Jack a dull bog. Yeah. The uh, uh, the assistant one, the Kubrick like, apparently yeah. spent months typing this out. All uh, different formats, all the yeah. typewriters, different and papers. different languages for the yeah. different releases. Yep. Really? Yes. Yeah. Oh wow. They all have different meanings. Yeah, depending on the language it was dubbed so in. So another thing, throwback to what you were just saying about untraditional or an untraditional horror movie. Also, this interaction right here is just like domestic dispute. You yeah. know, but it just it's so. It's so horrific because of uh, his reasoning, you know? He's he's unwilling to, to see the humans in this situation. Yeah. You know, he's putting uh, he's putting all the weight on, on her, but just, like, on, he's completely irrational. He's completely lost his grip with sanity. Here's a big question. Where's Danny at? Well, he's right here in front of me. Because yeah. I, th I think we need to talk about Danny, guys. <laughs> Where's Danny? Still I think we should discuss Danny. <laughs> yes. But uh, one of the interesting things, too, about that line that's written out, you know, um, all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. That line was written in a book back in 1659 about proverbs in, like, English, Italian, Spanish, French. Um, I got the author's name was James Howell. So, I mean, that's kind of interesting that you use that. Because I would have never thought that it was it had a historical context. Yeah. Huh, it's from English proverbs? Yeah, it's back in 1659, apparently. Weird. Yeah, so I don't know the What's precise the, yeah. significance. This, too, if you're a baseball fan, um, that baseball bat was signed by Carl Yastrzemski <laughs> of the Boston Red Sox. <laughs> <laughs> For reals. Just <laughs> a slugger. Yeah. Again, this, these expressions and, and I'm he was cast perfect, man. Now, I, you know, you have yeah, to give you have to tip going, the hat. You know, some surreal surrealism. Yeah, there's the red rum. Um, this is, you know, um, I do like the the use too. Like those could represent the eyes, like those two, um, you know, those numbers right there that change fours, and the mouth. But uh, you know what what have you? But yeah, here comes a 
A huge descent right here. The fight. Yeah, the hit. This is a... They even rent, mentioned like uh, her going up to the top, like the way it's shaped, the 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 staircase in the room is shaped. It's almost like she's going up like a step pyramid, and sacrificing him. Well, I mean, partially just because of all the mirroring and, yeah. uh, of course, there you know, things just come to a vanishing yeah. point. Right. There's a lot of triangles and a lot of pyramids throughout most of this movie. A lot of things line up. That is right. Just, just mocking her right now. Mm-hmm. Just, just classic. You can see, though. This is this is the product of, of exhaustion. This is the product of yeah. Her, she, she, Shelley Duvall is so, so authentic at this point because they're having this actual. This, this is actually playing out. You know, mm-hmm. they're not just reading reading lines. They're not yeah. reading lines. They're living this this moment. You know. Up into the for point, the five hundredth time. Up yeah. into the point where she hits someone, and who ended up being the the leader, uh, you know, the, the leader of the union of the of the stunt crew. Really? Yeah. <laughs> he was the the head honcho, and he ended up standing in for Jack Nicholson's fall down the stairs. Nice. Yeah. Good for him. Um, God, this is such a scary scene. You're just so you're just even though she's got the phallic symbol, yeah, he's got such the upper hand with that energy. It's just ferocious and over the mm-hmm. top. He is. Absolutely overpowering, raging every bull, step man. Of the way. Yeah, she's, but I mean, she's got not. She's got, and she's just so. But she maintains the high ground. She's so beat. Yeah, she does maintain the high ground. That's right. The yeah. art of war. <laughs> it doesn't say anything. So I hear that she swings the bat forty-one times before she makes contact. You know, if at first you don't succeed. Wait, so it's number forty-two that hits. I think, uh, yeah, I think maybe 42. 42. Are, we, are we counting? I just saw one so far. She just did like a bunt. Does that count? Yeah, yeah. What counts if... Because I don't... I, don't I mean, some of her swings count. are, you know, like they're kind of half-assed, but, you know. I'd say... I'm still at one. Yeah. I, oh, there's, there's two. Three. three. This is, I hope we can't record <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I'm not going to lie. Without sound, this is fucking hilarious. I think he's counting too with this. <laughs> <laughs> I like the line uh, he says to her too. He's like, "I'm not gonna hurt you." Yeah, no, and, the, and you know, you think that he's actually sort of he might be reasoning. You're like, "Don't listen to him," but then he kind of just does what the ghost so count, Riley? does. What the poltergeist <laughs> does is just like, "Look, get, yeah, I actually am a demon. Look. I'm actually gonna destroy you." Like, there's no no question now about this. She's still going. He's she's just still getting going. mad now. He just he wants. It's just and the red lights setting in. Yeah. yeah, it's just so believable and it's so fucking terrifying. Yeah, like Jack Nichols. I would never want to see Jack Nicholson in this state of mind. <laughs> like, yeah, he no. Is a, he gets in this state of mind sometimes on, on the front row of Lakers games, right? Yeah, I mean, for reals. <laughs> it's just, it's just, uh, he's definitely got a demon inside of him. Oh, 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 oh. Right? oh, there it is. And there's the leader of the union right there. Rolling there he is. Suit. Boom. Good. Yeah, that was a good roll. That was great. Suit, dude. He sold it. One back somersault and a side flip. He was like, I can do this. I've been practicing. Put it in my contract to get this. Three, though. Yeah. I do like this, uh, her strength and resolve, where she puts him in the uh, little locker here, this uh, food locker. Yeah, it took a lot of, yeah, she's got to drag his 210-pound ass. Yeah. A uh, little side note: those uh, those lights that were lighting up that room to make it look like a big snowy day were so hot that they ended up actually burning 
the studio, which they had to rebuild uh, with higher ceilings, and which was a benefit because it was used for Raiders of the Lost Ark. Wow. Uh, the, big, oh. the big well was uh, filmed there. The well, the, I don't know, something like Sacred Well or something. The Sacred Tomb. It's really the cool. snakes, you know, in the glass scene. Saw the all the the lighting technicians on Raiders were just like, thank you, thank you, <laughs> thank yeah, you, Kubrick, burning yeah. this mother down. Yeah, so yeah, hot studio. And he's coming, hot set guys, hot he's set. He's coming too. Do we see anything in here the second time we come in? I don't. I don't know if we do or not. I, I was trying to pick something out, but I think the big thing is the fact that he ends up talking to the fucking ghost. So we talk about you know like all these conspiracy theories, and a lot of conspiracy theories are hard for me to get on board with, with just because of how perfect and how lined up you have things. You have to have things right for it to even work. You know, like how much thought has to be put into that. And what I've heard a lot about this film is that. Uh, Jack Nicholson stopped reading the script because it was changing so much on a daily basis. Exactly. Like, he'd have people read him lines because they were like, no, let's try this, no, let's try this. And Stanley, you know, like, was trying everything, like, 30 times. And he was trying it, uh, you know, like, 20 different ways. And he thought of this shot, like, on the spot. He was like, yeah. we're going to get with the medium shot. No, I'm not going to do that. He lays down. He's like, oh, yeah, that kind of looks good. Let's do that with the medium. Great. That looks good. And, and it's just like, and so that changes things, you know. Like, all of a sudden, that, you know, that his whole conspiracy theory maybe that he was driving for like but those simple changes you know could you could you keep something like that going you know like well i think i think if you're going to find what he was going for and honestly what he was probably going for was just to make us have fucking discussions like this right yeah um is i think you would have to follow almost just the visual cues at that point mm -hmm. you couldn't trust any of the audio clues I feel like it, there's a reason he has such long fucking crossfades and shit. And the reason things line up in certain parts of the screen. Mm -hmm. And that there's mirrors in certain shots and, and not. So you think he takes the control in like the final edit rather than, and the, in, and that's in, why rather has, than the subtleties of lines and, mm -hmm. and things like that. I, I think, he, I think well, the, makes a lot the of story sense is told through the visual part. Well, absolutely. I mean, the power lies within the edit, you know. That's really where the shape takes place. Well, I think, too, for Kubrick, um, if you look throughout his career, he didn't make very many movies considering how long he was in the game, if you want to call it that. But he only did, like, I think a total of 19 films, you know, and he had been doing them since, like, the 50s. Mm -hmm. You know, that's not a huge catalog when you think his last one was Eyes Wide Shut in 99. So he was doing it for five or six decades, you know. It's not a lot of films. But it shows like the attention to details that he gave right. those films is what I'm getting at. Yeah. Um, so that's why you can see those. Why while we're having these discussions begin with, we can see like I said some of the mirroring, some of the symmetry, some of the the techniques that he's using. You know, what what can you trust? <laughs> How much do you read into it? Right. Exactly. Well, just to say like. He hasn't had a lot of projects, so he's had a lot of time to think about these things. Right. Oh, great. So we're going into a snowland full of 900 tons of salt and styrofoam. Walking in a winter wonderland. <laughs> that's right. Salt and styrofoam. That's right. Just that's every our, our outdoor scenes, are, that's what they consist of. 
900 tons of it, guys. Jeez. All that's in the environment. Yeah, yeah, that's called practical effects, motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> no, no CG in that shit. We're gonna like, we're gonna grind. You know, that's like, the spend... point you bring up too. Because yeah. I, well, usually when we do our, our films, you know, as far as our reviews, I try to look up special effects teams and give right. you know credit to that. When you go to this, there are, there are literally no special effects credits. Literally none. Just makeup effects. Oh, yeah. If it's just makeup department, not even effects. Yeah. So it, it just goes to show, like I so said, there was everything was practical. Yeah. That motherfucker just tore apart the engine, and she's now. I mean, if she you knows. Have, she's. If she hasn't realized stuck. it already, she's just so fucked. Yeah. So someone's done an eight-hour shift, eight to four now, right? Yeah. Now we're, <laughs> now we're getting into the hours. Now we know the clock is ticking down until something happens we yeah. know so we know there's death heading heading our way but we, we don't sleep on salt we don't know yeah. what so what's that mean i don't know I, more, I could make up something so <laughs> salt comes uh salt from, trade slavery so the word salary comes from the fact that roman troops used to be salt, paid with salt, salt mines salt mm. mines there's still slavery. salt of the earth uh Pimentos. And so, <laughs> if he's oh. an oppressive corporation, then there's well, him sitting. Good on news his is he has been snacking. There's a pure. I haven't noticed that, that before. I, Oreos and <laughs> brother. Oreos, planters. That's why he was passed out so hard. He's like shit. <laughs> <laughs> that had the itis. He's like got a concussion. I'm Fucking possessed, munchies. Possessed by demons. <laughs> it's been a long day. <laughs> and mellow roast coffee. Uh, mm. What do you think that was brewed? <laughs> yeah, he's having a hard time coming through. Wait, this is a, a unique encounter too in terms of how he's interacting now. It's he he's not directly interacting face to face or in mirror, you know, like having right. these conversations. Uh you you don't even get to see Grady in this sequence. You just hear him. Uh I so I was told or I was not told. I, I read something about the uh, the Calumet cans right there. How they're they're all kind of obscured, which we saw earlier clearly. Yeah. When um, Dick was making a a peace pipe treaty with uh, Danny, and now he's talking with Delbert Grady, and this peace pipe is obscured. He's like, "I'll let you out, but like I said, you got to kill your family." <laughs> yeah. And he's like, "Okay, totally, I got it. I'm gonna kill all of my family. Let me out." So they're both being dishonest, and they're not sharing a piece, but they're, yeah, they're, he just wants, the ghost, There's deception the ghost just wants him to, sides, yeah, the yeah. ghost just wants him to serve his will, he doesn't really care about, like, helping him or anything, he wants his soul to. Yeah, to stay there in this, this yeah, loop and they just want fulfill. Everybody, yeah, they just want everybody in their sex loop to play with the bear men. And, I, <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> And if Jack is uh, oppressive white government or whatever, then uh, at this point when the masses have gained the upper hand, but he's been sitting back on his stockpiles of his (laughs) salt, Oreos, wait, 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 I'm still, I'm going somewhere with this, then this is his, this is those in the old position of power getting one last shot at an appeal to the masses uh, through an appeal to tradition and the old ways. Okay. And that's like, what like this is how This is how we this do is it. This is Make America Great Again. Oh, this mm. is it. MAGA. Okay. This is MAGA. This is like, okay, <laughs> come on, come on, just do what we used to do and be part of the club. And he's like, okay, that's exactly what I'm going to do. 
Okay, it's gonna be the best. <laughs> the, the best. Uh, and so, uh, and we we know how Jack that, Nicholson's Trump. We know how, <laughs> we know how that turns out. Fucking frozen in a goddamn maze. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Not as soon as we would like. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Not, but it not is coming. Yeah, I mean he gets, before he gets to do a lot of dumb shit and hurt people. He gets to plunge an axe into the heart of the the uh, Scatman Crothers. Cold as shit. Eventually, the new oppressed mass <laughs> leads him out into the fuck. world and traps him in his and traps him in it. Yeah, it exactly like what's happening. E. a little bit. <laughs> it's crazy. So is that that, that this is that? actually so this scene is not 900 tons of snow. This is actual. This snow. is for real. <laughs> this is this is Mount Hood. This is from a real snow yes, cat in Oregon. I think I think Scatman was driving. Maybe he wasn't. I don't know if he. I no, this is probably, a real. Like I said, this is real snow. This okay, is, then, yeah. yeah, he was driving. Uh, I don't know what kind of permit he had to get to drive snow cat. Which class is that? Yeah, um, snow cat. Danny's about to say, "Hey, mom, Classy. why the fuck are you asleep right now?" <laughs> okay, this seems like a really what, bad idea. What happened to you to tell you that it was okay to go take a nap? Like, <laughs> I, you know, you just had that interaction. Where have I been this entire time? You just <laughs> who wants locked, cake? Dad's locked in a freezer, not or in, a, in the pantry, like. What are you doing? Um, she doesn't care. She's exhausted. I wonder uh, how they explain this scene to Danny. Like, you're just going to kind of thoughtfully rub your finger on the blade of a knife. and uh, It's not about murder, though. It's uh, about exploring your character and what it's, <laughs> what it's like to interview. people. That's a you. sword to a little kid. Yeah. It's not a knife. Yeah, um, so, yeah, you're going to have a, a sword battle with your friends. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. You're yeah, you yeah. that robot character you were talking about. Yeah. yeah. Red rum. Red Put on rum. this lipstick. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. Who well, knows? who knows? Danny, look. Danny's queer. Like I said, he's the new oppressed masses. He's grabbing a phallic symbol and, and a symbol of femininity. Look at that sweater. <laughs> Popping collars. Yeah. <laughs> I could, I mean, I could get, a, I could get on board with that See? theory. I, I'm not. Well, here comes some of the mirroring too, with the red rum he's about to yeah, spell he out. Yeah, he uses, know? he uses the mirror to show the reality of the situation. Right. The reality of the situation is Jack's a psychopath. And, and she, uh, it just, it's she to hurt everybody. She and just like, so happens to see it in the mirror what it spells out. Well, and he's he's saying like maybe this is just a story of you know family abuse being like, yeah. hey, fucking mom. Stop denying that I'm getting abused. Realize the reality of the situation. Yeah. Get the fuck away from him because we're dying. This he's is gonna not kill good. Us. He's going to kill us both. Quit making excuses for Quit him. Quit making excuses for him and get out of this situation. Exactly. Wake the fuck up. <laughs> Wake up. She's asleep. She needs to be woke. Yeah. <laughs> Stay woke, Mom, Bob. Mom's an ally Stay in all woke. this. <laughs> and this, it, it, this is this mom getting woke. Epic fear scene right here. Which is, boom. Whoa! Hashtag woke AF. Yeah. Woke mom. <laughs> Dude, the zoom and the axe. Yeah. Cue the axe. Boom. Boom. So uh, Jack Nicholson apparently was like a uh, firefighter at one time. Yeah. And they had to use real doors because he was smashing the fake prop ones. Yeah, he would just obliterate them in like one hit. <laughs> yeah. Just explode doors. They went through something like 40 doors. You can't put a level 50 Nicholson. <laughs> They probably went through... Test your might. God. Yeah. <laughs> Test your strength. <laughs> so many things they went through. Uh, um, that's the worst. When you uh, try, when you lock yourself out of your house and you're trying to break in through the smallest window, 
Okay, so that's claustrophobia. That's styrofoam right there. Is that, that's impressive practical effects. Look at that pile. Yeah, that's a lot. Isn't that <laughs> yeah. insanity? So, and then I also read that uh, Kubrick was living um, in England, yeah, in England at the time. and wasn't uh, aware of like Johnny, Johnny Carson. Yeah, just the, the so greatest talk show host of all time. Yeah, because oh, yeah. he didn't. He wasn't even aware of like the social trope. That right. They said, was it referenced like later on in, in uh, was it, do- would you say it was Dr. Sleep? Uh, which one? Or the, the, the sequel to uh, The Shining. Yeah. Yeah, like there's a reference somehow back to that, to that the, line, to the Here's the, Johnny. Oh, to the Here's Johnny? Yeah. I, I read something about that. That was oh, kind of interesting. To, I'm trying to think of what it was. Oh, um, claustrophobia. Yeah. God, so. that's such a terrible scene. Yeah, yeah. when he's trying to escape in that tiny hole. Hold on, so what? And so now he's in the womb with weaponized masculinity. Oh Jesus! <laughs> Sorry, he's Sorry. Not here right now. He's I just keep thinking about I just keep thinking about Leslie Vernon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty funny. That's good. I like the uh, the little the little tapping. There's yeah. a lot of use of um, like fairy tale literature, the Three Little yeah, Pigs, yeah. and yeah. she used a um, Hansel and Gretel reference earlier about and leaving breadcrumbs. Just like you said, the proverbs. It's all probably right. in the same area. And that was kind of like some of the ideas too, with the potential of having like the uh, the ladies in that room, the the older and the younger lady, being hags or witches, yeah. leading back to that Hansel and Gretel reference, and the fact that Danny was hiding in the kitchen. I didn't see two hags in that shower. I only saw one. Yeah, the other one was pretty fine. <laughs> the same. They were know. saying that there's a possibility that one they? was staying in. I would, when one I would was buy out. that one more if there was three of them. Yeah. To then be like this reference is, to like the witches yeah. and Macbeth. And this has to be one of the most this is iconic, iconic scenes yeah. ever in horror, ever? In, in yeah. horror film and film. In, in film in general. It's just such a brilliantly shot scene. Just yeah. her reactions are so visceral and, and real and just sheer terror. I had that yeah. freaking poster on my. That is, uh, yeah. That's intense. That's brutal, God, too. It, you just, it puts you in that exact. How would you react? If all of a sudden your husband was like, "All right, I'm coming at you with an axe," it's like, yeah, that's it right yeah. there. There's no, there's nothing. What's for acting. dinner? Yeah, that's that's. There's no acting. That's just yeah. right there. Yeah. And just uh, it's and pure terror, it Johnny. <laughs> yeah, and then and is slash pretty, oh. pretty easily solved right there. Mm. Giving a good slice on his hand, and yeah. which uh, I'm just glad wasn't as bad as when that happened in Green Room. If you, you guys have oh, watched Green yeah, Room, yeah, you would feel like shit. that. You feel like that kind of hit that she just did too would have like hacked some fingers. Maybe. Yeah, it would have. It would have. Lo- it would have at least locked itself in. Yeah. I don't know if it would have just passed over top like that. But I mean, for some reason that was enough to get him away. He heard that. He heard. The snow cat over that. Yeah, I guess. The, mm-hmm. the scat man on the snow maybe, cat. Maybe he has. Do you think his his senses are heightened at all? Do you think he has any shining going on because of this? It's a possibility. I mean, it could have been passed on. Because it doesn't seem like it helps him in the maze later on. But <coughs> yeah, considering. But I don't know. I was just thinking. No, he's looking pretty bully. Yeah, he's looking, very bullish. Very just very primal too. Mm-hmm. It's weird that how that's just such a mood breaker. He was like, I was going to hack you in a million pieces, but now that someone else is here to kind of... Well, he has been tipped off, too, that there was outside influence. 
Mm-hmm. You know, oh, yeah. so he's like, okay, I'm not. I guess I'm not gonna kill you because of outside influence. Like, yeah. you gotta kill outside influence. First. Well, this is here. I was talking about Danny hiding in the in kitchen. The fucking Jurassic Park scene. <laughs> yeah, Velociraptor. <laughs> Velociraptor is gonna come around any second. See, well, through you, the kitchen. Well, you can't see. You can't say that people. You know, all these directors that have made movies since have been directly inspired by this. Uh, Cinematically and and oh, that absolutely could have been yeah, the Raptors you creeping com- through the kitchen. Oh, no doubt. To, well, Spielberg yeah. did have conversations with Kubrick about his conversations with King allegedly. Yeah. So you know. <laughs> yeah, calling him at like three a.m. Do you believe in God? Yeah. Oh, I I went on a little bit of a fucking YouTube spiral last night on some Kubrick videos, and I I definitely saw plenty of interviews with Spielberg just sucking Kubrick's dick, basically. Right. So yeah. Oh, well, yeah. I even so heard so to uh, say that he hasn't been directly influenced about his making, but I also was just so happy because I was so taken with this film about that that psychological atmosphere that it creates. Just to hear that Kubrick was influenced by Lynch, I was like, oh fuck yeah! Or it's <laughs> like Lynch just fresh on the scene with Eraserhead, and just like he already got his his hand in The Shining, basically. It's uh, I don't think it's any coincidence any longer that. We talk about Lynch a lot on this yeah. podcast, and this is just another huge reference we're back actually, to him. We're probably going to have to actually cover some Lynch soon. Oh, no, no, that's no. Which, so that wasn't the, that wasn't the, um, the Blood Vader that he just looked at, because it didn't have any of the, this didn't have the floor indicators, it was just right. a different... I don't ever think we ever see uh, Yeah, I don't think elevator. you see the actual Blood see, Vader. Yeah, and we don't ever see a good shot of it. Um, yeah, it's because it doesn't exist. It, ex- it exists in a studio somewhere. Yeah, that they had just specifically designed yeah. for for that. Shot. Yeah, just a, a, an enclosed room that could hold all that blood. You yeah. know, probably just like a tennis ball, like a racquetball room or something. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah, this is a, a really cool scene too, where he, he comes in and he doesn't mm-hmm. he doesn't get to do he's he's traveled so far for this moment to, to come in. You know what, like. 55 steps into the hotel and just get probably 42 steps yeah, yeah. Something like that. <laughs> probably, yeah. knowing Kubrick probably 42 yeah there was something red back in the movie that was the, the pillars it was just <laughs> yeah the, and he's just hiding behind one of these pillars right last one he's in the kitchen I think no he's on no, the he's right he's gonna pop out yeah gotcha he's hiding on the right he's just is that some lens flare J.J. Abrams <laughs> uh-huh. Oh yeah, we're just waiting for him. And come, action, Jack. Uh, yep. Yeah. They had to do that scene uh, several times as well. That's the most gore we get as far as gore goes. Right. Involving the the characters themselves. Yeah, the, an accent plundered into the heart. Um, of the. Yeah, and they, so yeah. look how far into the film before we can actually get a murder. Yeah, it was. Yeah, what are we? What are we at? Like, like two, two hours, hours, two hours, fifteen minutes, something like that. Yeah, something like that. That's that, that's why people are like, this is not a horror film. You know, one person was killed that we saw. But I mean, is that an old jukebox or a cigarette machine right there? Did you see that? Yeah. Looks like a cigarette machine. And now Wendy is starting to experience the blues as the, well. The poltergeist. Yeah, it reflects her co- everything about her. Like, yeah, her skin tone is even blue. This yeah. is uh, this is quite possibly one of my favorite moments coming up soon. And this, this, 
also serves into the kind of... See, you're excited too. <laughs> the psychological, surreal drama, because we don't get a real explanation about this at all. We don't see this... All we don't see this any other mm, time. Nice cheeks, right? Right. A bare-assed, bare-suit man giving a man fellatio. And so, another <laughs> weird psychological... Uh, I don't know, just a, just a weird paranormal so experience that has to do with sex. And, and that's the thing. So if Danny's the bear, that's her realizing witnessing. all the harm that she's let happen? Maybe, yeah. It's been talked about. Like, yeah, that's absolutely. an inference like, to that. Just kind of, her abuse kind of shown right to her. Like, yeah. she's starting to run face-to-face. -face yeah, Whether ghost she had in the seen room. it in the past or not, that's her realization moment. Yeah. Quite possibly. I, I read too that in the novel they actually make reference to the fact that you know in the twenties there was a, yeah that's so that in it, that but that's this is a completely different thing. Well, exactly. The, it's like so that's who, where, who do you rely on? Yeah, His narrative, right? Exactly. The in, the in, the starting point, the catalyst was the the nineteen twenties people that would dress up and have these high society, of, the yeah. high society instead of the sex cults and stuff in in the Overlook, and they're the ghosts of that time. But I think in this case with the the it's more of like symbology. Yeah, it's, it is of like a reference to Danny and who he is, the Pooh Bear, having to the, confront her demons or just the ghosts. Right. Yeah, yeah, that she's been hiding from, you know, and that she's been enabling. Basically, you know, she brought, you know, she she's out there with them. Here too, they talk about the fact that Danny and both his mom, uh, you know, Shelley Duvall's character in this, how they walk backwards. Eventually, he backtracks. And so there's kind of that too, like this backward movement um, where you're kind of like, in a way, erasing a, a past because like he's leaving all these trails for yeah. his dad to follow. And, you know, that's his eventual escape is by covering his tracks. Yeah. So it, even that's kind of like um, showing how you're trying to not necessarily cover up the past, but try, trying to leave a different trail or, you know, start a different path. Absolutely. Yeah, so I mean, that's kind of a... Getting rid of Confederate statues. <laughs> that's right. Exactly. Just like, you know, just leaving them. I was also going to just say I was kind of caught up in the... the Heritage night. I was caught up in the filming, the cinematography, Jesus. just because of this, uh, yeah. the new, the, the steady cam work there. Yeah. That's some of the first and best times you'll see the use of steady cam. Yeah, he talked about the fact that he, you know, had to experiment a lot, too. Like, they used a... Um, an 18 millimeter lens. So, hold on. Is this... Are these the Vaders? Is it no. the Blood Vaders? No. because no, you don't see the, the indicators. But are we supposed to think those are the Blood so Vaders? Those could be. But are we But they're not in the right... But those they're were not, lit up like... We, those were lit up like... I feel like we were supposed to think those were the Blood Vaders. Yeah. I think we were supposed to think they're the Blood Vaders. Because I think... Because they, they... Yeah, they're just too... Yeah. They're too standout-ish. And we, we pass by them and we're like, Oh, are those going to open up? See, and I used to think that was Delbert, but who the hell is this guy? That's just a random guy from... Random guy... Well, hold on, that's not a random Wait. guy. That's the Grady from the 20s. Or the... What's... No, that's... Those the, are doors. With his bald head and the top of his head split open. He's oh, no, that's not Grady from dick. the 20s. That's a... Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. It's a phallic symbol. He's a standing dick. Yeah. <laughs> he also looks like Jack Nicholson. Yeah, but what he did... Yeah, he has a, a, a purpose. <laughs> like, why that wound that of a straight line of blood down his head... Here's um, like what we don't know any about any other incident that would have caused that, or it's it's also just sort of like if you don't read into it deep, it's just sort of more of that just psychological warfare we go with the on ghosts. your brain, mm -hmm. like these surrealist images 
that just play into this is very i mean ghastly ghostly yeah losing your mind yeah this is very like quintessential um what you think of when you think of like poltergeist yeah or just yeah exactly skeletons ghosts and cobwebs here's something that was kind of interesting the parallel between this sequence where uh jack nicholson's character he's you know jack is almost becoming ape-like-ish with his mm-hmm. grunts mm-hmm. and uh stanley cooper did 2001 a space odyssey and during the last sequence of that film it goes back to like the uh, ape age the, you know right and it's it's almost a direct correlation between the way his mannerisms are and the way that film does the uh the primates it's kind of interesting how he's using that in this film as well, whether we're catching it or not. The 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 the, the reference of primates. Yeah, like he's going back to like this primal state. Like you even yeah, see exa- like exactly no, he's re- he's completely regressed right into this. So that's so it's it's that time that parallel. Yeah, where you know time doesn't necessarily exist there's on a. The so there vader. they are. Yeah. There's the blood, there's blood vader. So it's its own. Hallway. She sees it comes down now. Yeah. Okay. So there's like three times it was shot. I mean, shown in the film, two of them for Danny and one of them for her. And they're all just the psychological break, right? And, and the symbology of the rage, and the and the, the underlying psychosis. So wasn't uh, wasn't the Jamiroquai virtual insanity video supposed to be more like that at the end instead of the, just the trickle down out of the huh. wall, but something know. fucked up, so they only got the trickle, and then know. everybody liked it. I have no idea. That's hilarious. <laughs> Virtual so insanity, man. Apparently they uh, <laughs> convinced the um, production company that that was rust water. Hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, to, to, for trailers? Yeah, for yeah. trailers, because Whoa. they wouldn't, because some sort of... Uh, the ratings board yeah, would allow ratings that, allow like blood. use of blood and stuff. And yeah. that was the and whole trailer, was the elevator opening and pouring out blood. And they said, yeah, it's One an the elevator other- opening up with rust water. One of those stupid because they're not maintaining like, the hotel. The same, on. one of those same stupid reasons, like why it's Bill and Ted's bogus journey and not Bill and Ted go to hell. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, oh my gosh! So um, semantics. <laughs> so one thing I didn't point out because we're not listening to this. Um, God, the, the the sound design just I cannot cannot say enough about it. Because we're so jealous of all you that are actually listening. To it is. It right is now. the most. It is the <laughs> most epic part of this movie. I think. I mean, it just really connects you to everything, and the uh, the chanting that goes on throughout this whole part that gives it that really possessed feeling uh, is actually the morning prayer being read, and it's it's read three times throughout um, just by like this uh, congregation, and so it's just it plays this really culty, weird kind of like well, three is a cultish number as well. Yeah, exactly, and it's kind of like. You can feel the possession. It's not just Jack running through the maze. It's the whole crew, you know, looking for Danny, looking for the shine because he knows, you know, it's secrets and it's trying to shut it down, you know. And so it's like it's it really plays into that. So. I felt like he uh, he kind of gave up a little too early, Jack. <laughs> well, he got he's he's cold, he's exhausted, and I feel like the possession too is driving him mad. Yeah, and he's concussed. Just, he's concussed. Yeah, yeah he's really. Well, con- I mean, to his defense, he ate a whole bunch of munchies. So, I mean, yeah. he got his energy levels back up yeah. somewhat. He's concussed. <laughs> I mean, those fucking Oreos look tasty, bro. <laughs> <laughs> 
So oh my what, God. what we're really looking at is after this concussion, <laughs> the end of this movie can be explained by CTE. And <laughs> did, did, you, did you see? Did you see Wendy drop the phallic symbol just immediately when she saw Danny? She mm-hmm. Well, he, it looks like he came out of a womb as well. She dismissed it. She said, "We're together again." And the, but terrible thing is, you're still thinking that maybe he's he's gonna get out. There's still a possibility that yeah. Or, you know, something's fucking wrong with the snowcats. Typical horror. It's not yeah. going to start. But the... God, it's so goddamn fulfilling that that thing just starts right up. Yeah. Yeah, because there's That's, so much dread going on right oh, now. Right there's so much dread. Because you're like, oh my god. Like, he is a dying... He's a dying bull, but he's still so fucking dangerous. Like, he still means murder. Yeah. And, That's, you know, he's being cornered now as well. Yeah, but now they are on their fucking way. So here's the one other amazing thing that I made a note of is this is the first with them getting away in the snowcat to sort of kind of finish off the movie. Right. It's the first time anything continues past to the right of the hotel. Everything earlier in the movie brings in from the left, comes to the hotel. You go off to the right to the hedge maze, but then you always come back yeah, to, the to the left, left before exactly. going off to the yeah, right. So this is yeah. the first time we actually get a leave. And, and and we're granted access. The headspace is, is expanded. Too. Oh, yeah, the headspace. There's so much room to breathe. Mm-hmm. There's so much place. And even like how it's it's closing in now again. Yeah, the, the fog. Yeah, so and, it's sealing him in. And Jack, and we're Because he's always got to be there. And this is where I was talking to, like, kind of like the ape-like mannerisms. And, and he's just spun a circle. He's very proud. Yeah, he just spun a circle. He just <laughs> turned right around. Exactly. He's regressing, and he's just like, he's 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 breaking down Here, really yeah. fast. It's just like he's a robot. Which the only thing sleep. that would that would destroy a person this fast is complete possession. Yeah, I mean, he's been in this hedge maze for what ten minutes. Yeah, and he's already he just lost look, his mind. Look and at that! Death. And there's a that's just a great shot. That's because the old ways will wear you out. Standing rigid in the face of change will wear you out faster than anything else, and you'll die. And here comes an interesting back. reveal right here, <laughs> right in this oh, yeah, shot of the, the photo. Final, yeah, yeah, I love the... This is the, the fucking Inception moment. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. When we learn that he has been a part of this He's always been the caretaker. Thing. Yes, he just was uh, retroactively the caretaker, or some part of him was always there in the mirror. He's it's always, always been him. Yeah, he's always been a part of the abuse club. <laughs> the ongoing cycle of abuse. Yeah, he's there. He's he is part of the club. The the I mean the use too of the date July fourth. I was right? gonna say that's another. So, like if you're gonna go the oppressive. Yeah. So apparently this uh, this photo still exists. It's in, Cubic, yeah, right? Kubrick's got it, and it's really obviously airbrushed. So also too, I've, I've heard like um, if if you like right here, you can see like the little mustache appear. Like the Hitler, I was like, "Come on, guys! They're searching that a little bit." Yeah, they like, like these pan ins and outs. Yeah, there's there's somebody else. Like you're right there. Somebody, <laughs> else, somebody else's face behind his. Yeah. But they did a pretty good job. I I believed it. You know. That's a, goddamn fantastic movie. So I mean, does that does that mean like like you were saying is that actually him? Could that be a just could it be a relative? It's you no, know, it's him. It's absolutely him. I mean, just as much as they were both Grady. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Charles Grady and Delbert Grady are the same. Just he's just the same as them. Yeah. So it's you know, like I said, it's it's a lot to think about Delbert too. Grady, so 
What happens to Danny? What happens to Wendy? What happens after all of this? Uh, well, you know, Danny and Wendy travel on. Yeah, I mean, King spells it out. Uh, yeah. King spells it out in Doctor Sleep. I do recommend it. It's, it is a really good book. I'm sure they'll adapt it for uh, film, as they're doing with everything King these days. Yeah, they are really pumping them up for sure. So, and they're adapt it to film, or are they going to adapt it to something like Netflix or Amazon? Because that would be uh, a, that, a Netflix TV, or a Netflix original series would be the platform for it because it's it would totally lend itself to a multi a multi episode, like but with integrity because I think right. like that's what Netflix is lending itself to is these like mini series with it with like movie integrity. Yeah, that's a good point. So yeah, I mean, this has been a, a long ride in this film, man. But I think we uh, we got to cover some really interesting points. You know, uh, how far we're reaching is one thing, and then there's some others I think are a little bit more, you know, black and white, so to speak. Now, um, Riley, somewhere. it is about the fake moon landing, but he was such a perfectionist that he demanded we go to the moon. Yeah, I, <laughs> I don't feel like we touched on the moon landing. I don't feel like that was a very strong notion. I feel like. Sexuality, abuse, oppression, like those are very like on the sur on the surface tones, obvious yeah. themes and tones. I don't think that those are far cries at all for for that's not a conspiracy theory. It's just, just so prevalent. So beautifully multi layered with yeah. all of those things coming to the forefront at different times, but all of them being relevant to what's going on. Absolutely. You know, I think too, having the location being in this expanse, but also being closed in at the same time. Um, where it lends to like some of that that psychosis, and if you're dealing with these family issues, how that stuff can spiral out of control, uh, you know. And in their case, it didn't take very long. Especially if you don't tell anybody, if you're not, yeah. if you don't have anybody to help you, if you just let yourselves be, you know, and you don't acknowledge it, then shit just spirals, you know. Especially if abuse le is left unchecked, you know, and justified. <laughs> yeah. It's like no. That shit turns into a monster and destroys everybody. So. Yeah. Yeah, which is a like I said a weird tie it's, back into earlier what the story similar. I was talking about too. Like yeah. you know, there's some suppressed shit that happens, and yeah, so you gotta, fortunately sometimes that happens. Yeah, you, you know? gotta acknowledge it and gotta deal with it. Well, uh, I mean, I'm done talking about The Shining, guys. We just talked about this goddamn movie for two and a half hours. Yeah, <laughs> great. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, it was yeah. really fun. Both of you guys for joining us, man. That was a lot of fun. Time. Uh, that yeah, we got to w kind of watch it on mute. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah I'd, I'd like to say anytime no you guys would want to come back and do something like this again, you're very much welcome to come back. Yeah, it might not be a two and a half hour movie. Yeah, yeah. Roger that. It might be three and a half. Yeah, <laughs> we needed to do this for a long time though. We talked yeah. about it. Yeah, so uh, I, it feels good to get out of my system. I mean, I learned a lot that I I didn't learn that I never knew before. Like, and that's that's really the fun. One of the fun things I like about doing these podcasts is the fact that you know typically you come in with a a certain base knowledge or certain concepts, and then you come out like learning all these new facts and all these mm -hmm. interesting ideas and how these connections are all over the map. So you know, for me, it's always fun seeing. All this stuff come to fruition. Also, this is just fan, a fan fucking fantastic movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, God. It's really <laughs> I, I, I watch it endlessly and just be. It's just. It's beautiful to look at. It's. It's, it's like a triple layer. Yeah, cake. It it's just so rich and. It's like a seven layer tasty. Mm. You like you're not again. Burrito's like so good. it's not acting. <laughs> it's living. Good. It's an experience. <laughs> it's so fucking good. It's so real and authentic. And uh, yeah, well, I think that's the thing too. Is we're talking about almost forty years later, like yeah, you know, oh yeah, yeah. right yeah, there at it. Will it. never, 
it will never crumble. Like it never becomes dated because it's so authentic. Mm -hmm. And I think that too speaks volumes with uh, you know the fact that Stanley Kubrick was involved yeah. with the adaptation of film. I mean, if it was just a straight King adaptation, you know, would have been a completely different yeah, tell altogether. I mean, um, and he he did uh, an adaptation, and he had to. Yeah, the TV series. He had to, he had to yeah. get the rights back to his TV series. And Kubrick's only caveat was that he stopped trashing yeah. The Shining. And, <laughs> and so he doesn't trash The Shining anymore. He says he doesn't like Jack's appearance or his performance, but that's all he can say. He says he can't understand why people find it scary, but that's not a criticism. So. Well, well, that's the thing. That's objective. Wanted John yeah. Voight, right? Yeah, he did. He there was wanted, a lot of he wanted a Harrison lot of other, Ford. He wanted straight. Yeah, he wanted straight Robin Ford things. We know he wanted a very different thing, and he did a very different thing later on. And people can watch that too. It's a Shining miniseries, and you can you know have your own opinions about it. But I yeah, think this exactly. is but this is not what we're in on. And this is a brilliant piece of art that will always be cherished. I agree. I, I concur with that as well. So yeah, it was a fun way of getting to talk about some you know big names too. You know, we talked about Jack Nicholson, of course, and, and getting to hang out with our friends. Yeah, it's man, that was the most important thing. All about. It's truly all about. It yeah. is. It's truly oh, across oh. the spectrum. Um, oh, across the spectrum. <laughs> But uh, anyway, going into next week, have we figured out what we're doing next I week? I don't know if we've solidified anything. I know we have for 49, definitely for 50. So we're approaching that. Right. Well, we'll figure it out then behind the scenes. You guys will hear it when you hear it. Because hopefully you're going to subscribe to us on the iTunes and the SoundCloud. And Stitcher. And the Google Play and all that bullshit. Yeah. Uh, we got the fucking Twitter at Fried Squirms. Right. We're on Instagram. Fried, Fried Squirms, Squirms Podcast. Podcast. And, as always, our website as well, www.friedsworms.com. Email us at squirmcast at gmail.com. Yeah, you can always hit us up, let us know what you think, uh, give us some suggestions. And uh, in the meantime, I guess we'll still you know, pump out these episodes. And with that, Fried Squirms out. 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 <laughs> <laughs>